It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Steve, Eric, and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss the first three episodes of Obi Wan Kenobi. returning yet again to our our Star Wars retrospective in some way although this was not part of the initial plan but here we're talking about Kenobi episodes one to three so Steve why did you why did you bring this to us here why did you want to do this one <laughs> well you know from uh, we we've been doing or I've been doing with you guys a, a podcast about the Star Wars films you kindly invited me to and love this love the series of the movies maybe except for the last three sequels movies uh, trilogy and uh, I've been watching the you know TV shows on Disney plus and uh, started watching Obi-Wan really started enjoying it and I and Caleb I reached out to you and I'm like hey let's let's review these things and you nicely agreed and so here we are yeah and me and Eric have discussed this a little bit before in some of the bonus episodes but I haven't finished this series yet I stopped with episode three I know that both you guys have finished it so I'm, I'm curious, curious to see where it goes, but I won't show my hand too early, but I wasn't necessarily fully pulled in by the end of the third episode, so that's why I haven't uh, wow. continued it yet. Okay. But, but did, did you guys want to give some early thoughts on maybe just the first episode? What was your initial impressions? Sure. So, well, actually, if we could just go a little farther back, ever since sure. um, Disney picked up Star Wars, before I learned to hate Disney Star Wars... I was really looking forward to a, a kind of a an Obi Wan film, and that had been promised for a while. Mm. And I don't remember how it came up in conversation, but just that Ewan McGregor said that he would be willing to do it if the story was right. Uh, and then, the, I guess if the if the sequel trilogy had done better, maybe that would have been. I know I think if Solo, if I remember correctly, yeah. thinking back now, Solo bombed so spectacularly. I think they had plans to do a Boba Fett film and not related to the show because it, it's been through so many rewrites. And they also had plans for an Obi-Wan film, kind of a standalone story thing. So I was ecstatic. I couldn't wait for an Obi-Wan because uh, Ewan McGregor is one of my favorite actors and how he portrayed, uh, you know, Obi-Wan. I thought he, you know, Alec Guinness is great, but I think Ewan McGregor, in my mind, is that character now. And uh, so I was looking really forward to it, and then there'd be shit that Kathleen Kennedy, lover, hater, um, <laughs> this, <laughs> she would keep teasing, and I felt like kept putting out this carrot in front of the fans that wanted to see this film. And there'd always be in writing or rewrites or whatever. Uh, when The Mandalorian hit, it started to flare up again that maybe they'll do a TV show. And it got 
it got on the writing board, then it got canceled, then got put back on, then it went through rewrites, and there were so many stalls and delays that I was starting to get really pissed off. And uh, finally, uh, it was announced that the show was going to come out. So I was I was all on board. I could not wait to see this. So I I I was getting ready to cancel Disney Plus after the mm. second season of uh, Mandalorian, which which is great. Uh, but I don't I don't think that's Kathleen's doing at all. By the way, so I do. <laughs> no. Um, uh, but Obi Wan, I'm like okay. I was getting ready to cancel it, and they did a trailer like the day before is going to call in and cancel my subscription. And I'm like, no, I, I gotta stay on now. So, that's that's where it all began, at least for me. Mm. Yeah, and I'll just say, as someone who is never particularly a fan of the prequels, Ewan McGregor was always the standout <laughs> element. And so, when they were talking yeah. about potentially making a movie, I was like, oh, okay, I don't know if I want to see more stuff set in the prequel timeline necessarily, but I'd be happy to see him on the screen again. So, so I was definitely on board in that regard, but. Yeah, maybe we'll discuss some of my, my issues with it as we go along. But but you, Eric, were you jumping at the bit to see more uh, Ewan McGregor, or were you kind of neutral on this idea? Neutral on the concept of it, or just the idea of it. Uh, neither here nor there. But um, I definitely had trepidation for the series uh, as it neared um, premiering and airing, just because I am a big fan of The Mandalorian, and the Boba Fett series. Uh, but again, they don't have much to do with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, and this is going to be, or was going to be, the first live-action Disney series that was not produced by Filoni and company. So I had a lot of trepidation about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely had my guard up. Uh, I had all my expectations reserved um, I wasn't going to prejudge it like a lot of people do with a lot of different things and be like, oh, no, this is terrible. It's going to be terrible. I try to go in as neutrally as possible, but I definitely had very low expectations that I had set to protect myself um, going into it. Because what, whenever they started showing like basically the full trailers or the final trailers, and I, I don't necessarily seek out trailers but i'll watch them with my eyes partially covered not just star wars like everything because i don't want too much to be given away but um it looked good it looked good but I, but again i wasn't gonna fall for that but it looked good in, in the full trailers yeah got it yeah i know isaac always m- mentions that you're like you're the most hardcore star wars fan that that he knows maybe i maybe i know too so I'm surprised that you're more trepidatious with this, but <laughs> got to be. And Eric, that's primarily because of the because because the writing staff. That was what your big problem was. Yeah, or that again, it wasn't Filoni and company. This wasn't you know helmed by Filoni and Favreau. And the the best thing Filoni does, I think, in general, with all the different Star Wars series he's worked on, is he keeps them in their lane. He is he's he's a true believer, like. He's a he's a Lucas acolyte for better or for worse. Mm. He's not. Oh gosh, what's his nose? J.J. Um, Abrams. Um, Caleb will tell me. No, no, no. Well, Abrams is something else too. But uh, man responsible for the Last Jedi. Oh, Ryan Johnson. 
Oh, the last jet. Yeah. Oh my god. And, and don't get me wrong, I love his non-Star Wars work, but mm-hmm. everything about his credo that went into making uh, the Last Jedi is is just the worst, the worst, the worst. And you know, once upon a time, uh, Taika Waititi was just like also a guy who could do no wrong in my book because um, everything I saw that he ever made, I quite liked. Um, and at one point, he was supposed to be getting a one-off or, or something in the Star Wars movie universe. May, I don't think anyone's talking about it anymore, especially after the fourth Thor film. Uh, no one's really talking about it. But when he would talk about it, actually, him and uh, Rian Johnson, because Rian Johnson was supposed to get more Star Wars movies too, but both of them would talk about their future Star Wars movies would be Star Wars, but so unlike anything Star Wars you'd ever seen because maybe they would go to other galaxies or other places and explore other things that we've never seen in Star Wars. And that stuff is all really scary for me to think about. I mean, it sounds like it could be good, but not with those guys. Like That's fair. It's really scary. You've got to have some, <laughs> some kind of anchor. Yeah. In, in the universe we know. Well, for me, I feel like Star Wars is just obsessed with their anchors. They can't move away from stuff that we know. That's why it kind of feels like a franchise with no rig- originality left. Well, it, it's a fine balancing act because for all the good stuff Filoni has done, there are definitely throwaway or filler episodes of Clone Wars. As much as I love the series overall, there's plenty of throwaway storylines and, and you know little mini arcs. And it is true, like, for all the good he does, there's these, like, they can't help but not say things like, I, like, in, in those throwaway uh, Clone Wars episodes, like, oh, I got a bad feeling about this. And, you know, like, there's, like, <laughs> there's always these little thematic callbacks, probably too much. Um, and I don't like that either. Um, I think that's what you're alluding to, Kayla, because that would probably turn you off if you saw all those throwaway episodes um so yeah it's like uh poetry it rhymes <laughs> so it's a balancing act it's a balancing act for sure um but i don't know well i imagine caleb you didn't like the first four or so minutes of this episode because it's basically <laughs> a recap of the prequels um we kind of see oh, kind of man. The, main, the main elements that are going to kind of drive uh, obi-wan into an another extent Anakin uh, in the series yeah that was a weird especially my first viewing it was so strange so I'm like wow I've never seen the prequels presented as like this epic as if it's like this yeah grand story I know that's what it is but for me it always seems so messy and aimless and so seeing it condensed like this I was like wow like this actually looks like the prequels are good <laughs> like <laughs> Well, maybe next time you review the what's the next one, Revenge of the Sith, just reference that four-minute recap movie. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I should watch instead. Oh, it was great, actually. I just yeah. <laughs> well, see, I weirdly had similar reactions or feelings about that that opening, but sadly, that was the best part of the entire episode. Was really prequel oh. Re- yeah. Oh, interesting. I oh. mean, overall, for me, because it was done really well. I'm actually I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it made it like so cool because it's just showing like the best bits 
um, and reminding you of just the best bits while avoiding the, mm-hmm. the worst bits. And it's <laughs> it is so amazing. Like I'm in awe of it just looking at it. Like it just looks fantastic. It looks so fresh. Um, and then and then I watch the actual episode, and it's kind of like ugh, because it it's the opening to a, obviously a new story, so we have to bring things back to the basics. What did you think about the uh, the scene where it goes back to Order sixty six and we see the five hundred first invading the Jedi um, temple and killing off Jedi and younglings? So. It's cool, but that uh... but but live action Disney series have a weird fetish with that right now because huh? What do you mean? We saw uh, we saw glimpses of that Order sixty six stuff. I can't remember if it was only in Book of Boba Fett. Or if it was that and Mandalorian season two, um, do you remember there was like a little flashback, uh, like oh it was with a Grogu. Uh, yes, someone my friends still was watching a YouTube video. They they called him uh, Gogurt. <laughs> 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 Anyways, yeah, no, that you see it from his perspective. I think that was yeah. We keep going back to it, and then it, and if you watch and spoilers for those who haven't seen this stuff, but. If you watch the end of Clone Wars series, we revisit Order 66 in a big way. And if you watch the premiere episode of Bad Batch, which is Disney, we go back to Order 66. So there's this weird fetishness, fetishishness of, of revisiting that painful moment uh, and seeing it from multiple different angles. Yeah, and for this series, I don't know what the purpose of it is. I mean, maybe... I have a feeling oh. that maybe Reva's going to be one of those kids that we saw, maybe. Yeah. Because otherwise, I feel like well, there you go. we should just open up with the bar scene. Yes. Like, the bar scene was the real opening. Much, much better. I mean, that mm-hmm. first prequel stuff. First of all, I don't like the design of the prequel era. I think those little kids with their helmets look really silly. And I think that the handheld action camera movement is just embarrassing. Like, it's shaking all over the place. It just makes it all look silly. At least in the oh. prequels, George Lucas had kind of a more classic style to his filmmaking, or maybe just flat style to his filmmaking. The action scenes weren't very dynamic like that. With this one, it just feels a little over the top, and I was I was giggling to myself a little. But... Well, yeah, that and you're you're correcting your assumption. One of those kids is Reva, uh, which was mm. a youngling, and that will come up later in the storyline. It won't okay. be a major. Won't be yeah. a major addition but i mean yeah you're you're on the right track there just funny how they thought nobody was gonna make that connection it was like worst kept secret it's like why else do we see it <laughs> yeah well yeah so 10 years later we get to go back to tatooine the most you know popular planet in star wars um i'm one of those people that think we need to see other planets <laughs> instead of <laughs> tatooine because there's like mandalorian <laughs> goes there a lot boba fett yep. is primarily there I, good news, though, if, if you scan ahead next few episodes, we actually do get some new planets and stuff that kind of expand on that. But I'm getting a little tired of Tatooine at this point. But mm-hmm. yeah, the Inquisitors arrive looking for a uh, runaway Jedi. So Yeah, and that, that scene has like a really cool Western vibe to it. Yes, absolutely. I think all that works. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, I, I don't know, Eric, maybe you know. Were these Inquisitors from the the cartoon, the animated uh, 
Clone Wars CGI one because well, close for whatever reason that lead Inquisitor guy close does not look like he's from uh, anything else Star Wars that I've ever seen. He looks kind of silly to me as well. He is an alien race that we've seen in the Star Wars movies before, um, but not as an Inquisitor, obviously. Uh, the Inquisitors played big in the Rebel series. Oh, okay. Mm. And the Rebel series takes place. I forget exactly, but I want to say. Maybe like three or four years after this time period is where Rebels start, somewhere around there. Um, so, yeah, we saw the Inquisitors a lot, and uh, the ones that the main three that we see besides Reva, we saw them in, in mm-hmm. Star Wars Rebels. So it was like mm. kind of like Ahsoka, like, oh, we're seeing him in live action for the first time. The species yeah. that he is, the main Inquisitor. If you remember episode three, um, when Obi-Wan goes to the planet, the one where he gets the big iguana. I'm sorry, I can't do the sound Oh, effect. no, not but that thing. When he first lands on that. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I wish I could do it better. But when he first lands on that planet and he's greeted on the platform, do you remember the guy with the tall head? Oh, yes. Yep. He didn't say. That's the species. That's a very famous, by the way, actor. Uh, yeah character actor but that species is the is is the species of uh the head inquisitor yeah and how do you feel like he he and the uh at least the asian guys well how do you think they translate to live action because i thought they both just i mean i thought their performances were weird and cartoony and i thought the look of them just i couldn't take them seriously (laughs) yeah they are a bit cartoony like um it is weird that it's the actor Sung Kong, because I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but the the one who plays Fifth Brother, oh, the, the Fifth Brother, the big guy, yeah. Asian looking. It's weird that it's him because in in normal live action appearances he's a very lively person, and it's just weird to see him just be playing super serious face, and, and like none of him comes across except for his face um, in the character, so it's just kind of strange. And then the Inquisitor. A lot of people were bothered because he kind of looks like his Rebels version, but not quite. Uh, but character-wise, he's kind of the same because in in Rebels, he's a heavy, like mustache twirling kind of villain, um, big time. People didn't like like his head should have looked longer. Was, I mean, that's how he looks in Rebels and mm. it, as, and that species I just mentioned. Have like more yeah. of a football shaped head, and his looks like it got mushed down a bit. I don't, I don't know why. Um, but it was cool to see them. But somehow they were more menacing on Rebels. I don't know. I think it's the performances for the Fifth Brother. What they did with his voice. If you got uh, a little sub hooked up to your TV, it sounds really nice. Oh, that's oh cool. I don't know if you guys picked up on just how deep it is, and they, they kind of give a, a little bit of reverb behind it. It's it sounds pretty cool. Uh, what do you think of the uh, performance? Because I'll just say I, I actually really like the idea behind this opening scene. I think they, it's directed well, but I just think that their performances, the three of them, like I know Reva Moses Ingram got a lot of flack for her performance in this show, but I feel like all the Inquisitors are pretty cartoony and bad <laughs> in terms of their performances. So. 
I thought I thought they were fine, and quite honestly, I don't maybe because I didn't care to look into it any further. But I don't know why Moses Ingram, who played uh, Riva, why she got so much hate. Mm. It's a complicated subject. It's a very complicated <laughs> subject. Um, I figured it has something to do with you know being her race or being female or something like that. That it's yeah. The anti-woke. I, if, if that's the case, it's really silly. If that's really the, pro- it's complicated on multiple fronts. I agree. <laughs> it's complicated because I think those who are the haters, I think that's overblown. Um, like it's a select group that's been amplified. But also, I think the true criticism of those who don't like her character has nothing to do with the actress. Has nothing to do with her race or anything or gender or anything like that. It's that people don't like the DNA of her character from a literary written point of view. And I think there is some legitimate beef in that. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with her acting or anything like that. I don't really think that's really what, I don't really think that's the issue there. Um, No, in, uh, that's not really what it is. But the other thing that made things even more complicated and added fuel to the fire is that just before the series aired, Disney had this tweet that made all the social media waves. Um, so before the series aired, Disney Twitter account official made this tweet that was something like, like they preempt they had, they did a preemptive strike, like. I can't remember, I should look it up, exactly how it went, but uh, it was something like, um, okay, keep talking, I gotta look it up, because I don't want to misquote it too much. Well, I, I, th- I thought the characters were presented well. Uh, you know, we, we learned that Riva, she's reckless, hot-tempered, mm-hmm. um, a, a little more quick to action, I think, than mm-hmm. the other two. Uh, the other two, you know, I guess they're the Inquisitor's duty is to hunt Jedi and they're taking more of the slow approach, you know, seeking them out, you know, using, I don't know, they're kind of by the book type of thing. Maybe kind of by the book, but Reva's, you know, she's getting tired and she's getting bored of this process. And not only that, they're not hunting like the, this, I guess the higher tier Jedi, like Obi-Wan or Yoda or hmm. whoever else, Qui-Gon, or not Qui-Gon, he's dead. Who was the other one? There's a few that are supposedly who made it past order. I don't, yeah, I don't know their names. I just know what they look like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she's she, she's she's tired of these little fish. I think she calls them. Um, yeah, I got the sense before she came to kind of came of age. Like they already found all the cool ones and everyone made their careers. Then she's coming in and kind of the only one left is Kenobi to go after. And Yoda, but yeah. I guess maybe everyone thinks he's dead or something. I don't know. I was kind of waiting for a mention of Yoda. I don't know if that comes up later, but maybe next season. So here's the original tweet. So this came out just before the series aired. Oh boy. Um, on the official Star Wars account, it said, "We are proud to welcome Moses Ingram to the Star Wars family and excited for Reva's story to unfold. If anyone intends to make her feel in any way unwelcome, we have only one thing to say: re-resist." And then, and then they had a follow-up tweet to that tweet that said. There are more than 20 million sentient species in the Star Wars galaxy. Don't choose to be racist. 
Be- oh my god. That sounds like a setup. I know. Well, and again, it went people. It made people lose their minds like before the series even came out because they were like, "Oh my god, why would Disney do that?" Oh, don't ask me. Free advertising. Oh, I, I understand why Disney <laughs> did it. I think it was a mistake, but I mean, going all the way back, there's been a strain of yeah, anti-black Star Wars fans. I mean, it's been there all this time. It hasn't really gone away. Okay, but again, now I know they're out there somewhere. These anti-black star wars fans but i really think they are a small group back then or well maybe they're bigger back then but <laughs> small now but see here's the thing though is a minority because this triggered somebody like me and i'm not an anti-black star wars fan as far as i can tell um but this this tweet triggered me because or it's gaslit me or something and <laughs> what more because i watch tons of stuff Star Wars um, like review videos and things like that on YouTube. And as time has gone on from this tweet, what the consensus is, is that people believe the reason they really did this is so that, and this is a conspiracy theory, but it's the leading conspiracy theory. Disney did this so that if the show wasn't well received or people really didn't like it, they could point to this and say this is the reason why there's a backlash, oh. or people are saying so. That's what that's what the the conspiracy theory is. That's what happened with the last Terminator movie, uh, Terminator. Um, oh God! What was that? What was the last one titled? Yeah, Dark Fate. <laughs> Dark Fate, and the, yeah, the director came out and said Whoa. said something in an interview, and like you, Eric, I'm you know, I believe in equal rights, men, women, doesn't matter what race, creed, religion, I don't care. But he said something to the effect that. Like I said, it's not gaslighting, but it kind of like, but it even pissed me off. Like I'm not going to see your film now, and apparently that's what everybody else thought. They didn't want to see the film, and so he blamed that director blamed a, a select group of anti-feminists, I guess, on why the film didn't do well. I don't know if you heard, because just recently, like in the last two weeks, that same director he now says that he regret. He regrets saying what he did back then. What you were just referring to, um, yeah. So, is it Frank Miller? Is that his name? Uh, Tim Miller, I think. Tim Miller, Frank. one of the Deadpool guys. Yeah, yeah. But seriously, I was pissed by this because, and this this mainly started <laughs> in the Disney era. It started with um, the Tran character. Um, that's her last name. Um, mm. I can't. Uh, yeah, Kelly Marie. Mm-hmm. And. And everyone said that everyone was jumping on her because she was Asian and this and I, I, I since again I'm sure there's a small pocket group out there who's super anti-Asian or whatever, but I really don't think that's what our beef was. Because look, I'm I've said it myself. I freaking hate Rose. I in that movie that I hate. Mm-hmm. Me too. And <laughs> don't start telling me I have this anti-Asian thing going on or something like that. Or and again, it has nothing to do. With the actress or her acting ability, it had nothing to do with that. That is not why I hate that character. And so when Disney well, does this stuff and makes these tweets, it makes me crazy. Well, again, I mean, I uh, I've spent some time in Star Wars Facebook groups. I spent some time on Twitter. There was absolutely lots of just people, yeah, maybe not pointing out her race necessarily, but complaining about oh, every Star Wars female character is terrible. Why would they hire her? She's not even attractive. She's fat. Like there was a lot of just really gross talk about, and she even left 
kind of social media because of the gross reaction. That's true, but... I hated the character, too. I thought it was just horribly embarrassingly written. I didn't blame the actress, necessarily. But those folks, yeah, they... I don't know if they couldn't... Yeah, but again, social media, it it amplifies the loudest voices. And like I said, I, I think that's an unre- uh, disrepresentative group of, of the actual sentiment. Because I think she is wildly unpopular with a lot with a wide swath of fans, mm-hmm. but not for the reasons of of the of like Disney the loud um, the loud vocal minority. Yeah, but maybe we don't want to spend too much time on this because it's kind of getting away from the focus of this episode. Yep. But I did actually quite like, and this will be a trend. Um, I quite liked uh, the introduction of of Ben working on that kind of uh, like meat mining or, or butcher. <laughs> yeah. Kind yeah. Of sand well. Thing, yeah, uh, reference to Doom, maybe. I don't know, but it looked tasty. Yeah, so many people thought it was a crate dragon, and it's so obviously not a crate dragon if you really just look at it. It looks tasty, whatever it is. It looks like it'd be great for sushi. Oh, God, it looks like the best sushi ever. <laughs> um, absolutely, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, you'd think the creature would spoil eventually. Oh, yeah, and that heat, <laughs> oh, it probably smells horrible. Good Lord, it's pre cooked. <laughs> But yeah, so Obi-Wan has got a regular 9 to 5 or whatever time mm-hmm. is on Tatooine uh, job. Uh, day laborer, basically, carving up this carcass with, I guess, 20 other hapless souls that are meeking out a living from doing that. And, uh, and we kind of see his daily life. Uh, you know, he goes home, you know, has a, has a little, little camel thing. Eric, what are those things called? I don't know, but he rode one at the end of uh, uh, Sith. I'll find out. But, uh, yeah, and he lives in a cave. That really sucks. I mean, I, I myself have to have a nice, comfortable mattress. <laughs> I cannot imagine sleeping on a rock every night. That just sounds miserable. Oh, wait, sorry to interrupt. Wasn't wasn't one of these things that Owen's riding, isn't that one of the things that farted in the Phantom Menace? I think so. And then Jar Jar, like, wiped, like... I'll check. Wipe the air from his nose. It's called an EOP. I was like, what though? He stepped in the poop or something? Yeah. I can't remember. Jar Jar's in. Oh, yeah, and shakes off his, his leg. I hate Jar Jar. <laughs> um, but I like seeing the, uh, the kind of indignities of having to hide as a Jedi. I think you're right. We saw their boss was just like a big asshole. You're right, Caleb. I, about Phantom Menace and the EOP. Ugh. The EOP oh, poop. Damn. He's right. Definitely did not to, uh, didn't want to see that again, but Hopefully we won't get into a farting joke uh, later in this season. But Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, so Obi-Wan is obviously suffering through PTSD. Um, he's having these nightmares. Mm. Little flashbacks for you, Caleb. Um, <laughs> and it's interesting because he's witnessing some scenes that he would not have been a part of uh, in the prequels. <laughs> like when Anakin was in Episode 1 flying the, the Naboo Starfighter. Uh, to the droid. I forgot what the, the ship was called. But he, he wouldn't have seen that. He wouldn't have known him. I mean, he, he wouldn't have seen Anakin in that scene. He would be busy on Naboo fighting, you know... Darth Maul. Darth Maul. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe uh, maybe he was in the Force. Later on, he just went through Anakin's memories. But what, what was he doing when I was fighting there? I'm curious. I'm kind of bored. I think they can do that. <laughs> just kind of go through each other's memories. Maybe. Or maybe, yeah, I don't know. But he's calling out, he wakes up from these dreams, and he's calling out to Qui-Gon. 
So we all know from end of mm. Sith that Yoda says, you know, I'll teach you how to commune with Qui-Gon. Apparently it hasn't happened yet, and he's still suffering or fighting the to find his old master and looking for, I guess, guidance. He's desperate to make contact, but just can't. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting scene. Yeah. Even though, yeah, you're right, the dream was kind of silly, because I was also thinking, like, was he there for this? Like, what are we seeing here? Just picking random scenes. But, but yeah, it's nice that they're throwing in that connection to Qui-Gon, yeah. a character that I always felt like could have had more potential, but never really had much done with him, at least in that first movie. So, Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Liam Neeson is an amazing actor. It's just one of those things you wish could have been in more. And so, mm. in a way, I was kind of hoping that when the Obi-Wan movie was going supposed to come out, or whenever this TV show was going to come out, that we would get to see that. Uh, so, that actually does come up. So, I'm not going to tell you what exactly happens, Caleb, because <laughs> so I won't be surprised. Sure. But, um, but that pays off, uh, eventually. Obviously, they're, they're hinting towards something here. But Obi-Wan also, he spies on the Lars homestead. Uh, he's, he's Luke, a young Luke, uh, running away from his uncle. <laughs> around the, uh, the homestead around the uh, what are those little huts are called and uh, yeah I mean it just shows that it, yeah it, minor it's... quibble minor quibble uh, with, I I just just based on appearance I, I just don't like the, the kid they cast as young Luke just strictly based on appearance <laughs> why is that funny that is why? a very minor this is a very minor quibble it's a very very minor thing it's just curious <laughs> why, what, what about him that you didn't like well, I, there's the resemblance issue. That's part of it. Uh-huh. And then there's something else about... I don't know how to explain this properly. But you know how when you look at um, like models on the cover of magazines and you can tell, oh, this is the 70s, this is the 60s, this is the 50s. He looks like a kid cast from now. But, I mean, they're all cast from now. I mean... All the actors are cast from now, aside, especially the non-legacy characters. Um, but I don't know how to explain. You know how? Well, this was off air, and I was talking about how Rogue One, the movie, has like this '70s look to it. Um, and and Jake Lloyd had, I guess, a more timeless look. Like I, he didn't scream 1999 or anything. Um, but something about the kid looks like he's central casting circa 2019 or 2020 and he's playing in this um pre-original series and does this make any sense like what i'm awkwardly trying to say well i'll just mention this if you want to talk about not making sense (laughs) that luke was was supposed to be like 10 years old right right in 10 years or nine years you and mcgregor is supposed to turn into yeah, Obi Wan from yes. the first movie. So. We're all aware of that, but so we want to talk about things not working in terms of age. I'm okay. I'm much more okay with that. I'm not. But what I mean is, in the side characters who appear in Rogue One, they look like they're from late '70s Central Casting. Is what I'm trying to say. Um, whereas this kid looks like he's from 2020 Central Casting, but he's supposed to be playing in this, you know pre-original original trilogy time period and it just it just throws me um he looks like a modern kid who just like wandered onto set and has the loosest possible resemblance to um mark hamill like a lot of people put together like these neat um these little uh 
um, what, what, what do you call it? Not montage. Um, collage. Collage? Is that what it is? Where they show, like, yeah. Luke and Leia, age 10. Luke and Leia, age 19. Luke and Leia, age whatever they are in in the Disney trilogy. And everyone looks proper. Like, like I see a through line, except for 10-year-old Luke. That's all I'm saying. Do we see more of him than this, than this one little clip there? I mean, I didn't really get any impression from him there. I barely even saw him. I got that feeling just when they had the teaser trailer. And everyone was like, oh, look, he's looking at Luke. Uh, and I was like, that doesn't look like Luke. I felt that even from the teaser. Yeah, the actors, they, I, I agree with Eric. I, I, don't, I don't know if about the, the time or look of the time period. but It's hard to explain that one. <laughs> but uh, but I wish his hair would have been more blonde. But it, that would be such a, it's not a major problem for me, you know. But I, it, this seems like Luke would have had more blonde hair. Yeah, it's not, it didn't ruin the show, but... It, but if I could fix one little thing, he's more. He's got more of dark hair, but the uh, the actor, what was her name? Who played Leia? Um, I'll tell you in a little bit. Uh, Vivian Lyra, Lyra Blair. Blair. Um, I thought she was fantastic as Leia, but we'll, well, I guess we'll get to her. Yeah, we can jump over to her now, Eric. Do you find? Yeah. Do you think that she's uh? Uh, 20, 2019 or twenty twenty casting there or no no she's good she's fine she's she's fine she's perfectly fine uh, I feel like she would run run laps around whoever the the nameless boy who plays Luke oh um, <laughs> this is getting cruel I'm gonna look this kid up like I feel like if I met both of them in real life like she'd be so smart and engaging and he would just be like I like I like turtles and I'm like, all right Luke yeah, I like turtles <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm sure he's a great kid, but uh, but this is the. What's, big... your, what's your favorite ride at the fair? Turtles. <laughs> but this was the big surprise because they kept this under wraps, secret. Um, you know, like no one knew because she did not appear in any teaser or any trailer. Um, no one realized uh, that she would be. Some people thought. You know, maybe we'll see Leia. Maybe there'll be something there. But no one thought she was going to be the, the Leia show. <laughs> That's another thing nobody anticipated. Uh, that the show should have been yeah. called Organa. Oh, the the kid who played the kid who played Luke was uh, Grant Feely. So I'm sure he's a great Eric. Not a fan <laughs> of Grant. And I'll say I'm no fan of the the little kid Leia. And I don't blame the actress. What? I blame the directors. If you're going to put a precocious child in a show, uh-huh. you got to find a genuine precocious child. This one, I feel like I feel like at times she kind of struggles to put herself in that role and it, it doesn't feel at all natural for me. You struggle in what kind of way? I feel like she seems more like a regular kid, not a kid above her years. And trying to play one just doesn't come out right. It just seems it seems a little too... Because when, when you're having this kind of kid... It, this this young mm-hmm. you more have to get them to play themselves and it doesn't really feel like that's what she's doing necessarily it feels like she's trying to be this this other person isn't and i don't isn't she like that kind of tropey kid like in movies um like like kevin in home alone or maybe the girl in curly sue i never saw that movie curly sue oh my god but and she just like them i mean isn't that the way they portray a kid who is like beyond their years for a little kid you ever seen uh uptown girls no or any of the young 
uh, Dakota Fanning movies that she did. No. No, I have not. Or even uh, the kid from The Sixth Sense. Okay, I've seen that. Some kids, they really just are. Like, they have this, this essence to them. Where they just feel like they're above their age a little bit. She doesn't have she doesn't have the it thing factor. That's what you're saying. I, I thought she did. See, I thought what you were gonna say, Caleb, is um, and maybe I'm not sure the exact definition of precocious. Um, I thought you were gonna say, oh, oh god, what is the exact definition? Because I have an idea in my head, but I don't know. Is it, is it, I think Caleb wasn't happy because she's a princess and she had crooked teeth. Is that? Oh no, that's uh, just me. <laughs> actually, I was gonna bring up Luke's teeth, but um, not Leia's. Oh come on! <laughs> I can't even see his teeth. I couldn't see them. I saw his teeth. Uh huh. Eric's got a magnifying glass on the screen. <laughs> no. Okay, so I partially had the right idea for the the meaning of precocious, but then I added some more onto it in my head. Um. So, see what I thought originally, Caleb was gonna say was that like it would when he said precocious i was thinking of someone who was like like a ladybird character from the movie ladybird um like like the kid who's like really smart but also doesn't fit in um with the other kids like that's kind of what i thought Caleb meant and so then i thought when you said that she doesn't ring true like that i thought you were gonna say something like because the actress comes across as inside just too confident like so she's like a popular kid who's playing a, a kid who sticks out amongst kids that's what i thought you were trying to say uh at first but but i because i didn't think she failed in in the sense of she did see yeah. and it helps that she's so diminutive uh because she's a lot smaller i think than the typical 10 year old so it makes you th- think in your head like she's only seven um or so uh which makes her come mm. across as seeming extra smart for a seven-year-old but the actress really was nine going on ten in, in real life she's just little like that um <laughs> but i thought she came across really well as like a really bright and i guess the proper definition of precocious as well do you think that Leo is so much, you know, so much smaller than Luke because she suffered from uh, oh, what's that disease called? Oh my god, the transfusion syndrome. <laughs> oh, I thought you were something else you were gonna say. <laughs> you know, when one twin, when one twin feeds off the other. Yeah, twin. that. I thought it had a different name. No, oh, it's like transfusion or something like that. Oh, it's trying to work in some sort of joke with the kissing. That's how Luke was draining more energy. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh. <laughs> that's one of my there's somebody again on youtube they did a video of uh where vader's talking to luke and he's like he says i am your father and also leia is your twin sister and you and you then you see luke like flashing back to that moment <laughs> where he's kissing <laughs> yeah. oh. and he goes no <laughs> not that vader was his father but and it wasn't even that big a deal because <laughs> real siblings like in a non-romantic way kiss that way all the time like the way they kiss in the movie Empire Strikes Back it's not even that big a deal uh, yeah, I think Luke wanted to get a little Leia action there 
my opinion. Oh my goodness. <laughs> We're not talking about that movie, so yeah. <laughs> let's get back to... Uh, uh, so the the, uh, the Jedi that the uh, Inquisitors are looking for, um, Mary, I think his name was, uh, so he's hunting for Obi-Wan, and he finds Obi-Wan in the middle of the desert for the evening, and Obi-Wan basically says, you know, hide your lightsaber, give it up, the Jedi have lost, it's, it's over. And, uh, you know, he's not too happy to hear that, because he was looking for guidance from Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I think I think all the Obi Wan scenes play really well in this first episode. Hold on. I like how kind of world weary he is. I I didn't I didn't like that angle. Uh, I understood the point of it and why Obi Wan reacted and did what he did, and I, I perfectly accept accept that he said what he said to the young uh, the youngling or whatever. Uh, but the idea that he didn't do more to try to help them ultimately, uh, I, that did kind of bother me. And I, but I, again, I get the point because he's trying to devote everything towards just the twins or just Luke, and he can't give himself up. And that's the only way. Well, that's the mission. Yeah, not to mention the PTSD, like Steve mentioned. Like he's pretty scarred. Well, see, I don't really like the PTSD bit either, um, or it's it's too much. Um, of course you're going to have something there, but it felt too much. He, he felt much more defeated than, than I would have expected at this time. Um, and I, and I think a lot of fans felt the same as me. Um, and, and we don't like this partially because, uh, this is what they did to all the legacy characters in, in Disney, in Disneyland, in Disney World disney star wars land well honestly you spend 10 years sleeping on a rock man <laughs> I, I tell you one bad night and i'm grumpy so i can't imagine not to mention haunted by the the last time you saw him i get it well i guess i guess we imagined we imagined um i guess obi-wan biding his time yes but but not necessarily losing all his composure to this extent no man think about what this guy what he did mm-hmm I mean, he left fucking Anakin laying there in that lava <laughs> just to burn to death. He doesn't know that he survived. He, he's probably been haunted all that time. Why didn't I just kill him? Why did I leave him there to suffer? <laughs> oh, his friend's dead. Like, oh, no, he, he had the worst. The other legacy characters, I get why people might complain. But he's got all the reasons in the world to be bitter and, and beat up. I, I agree. I think, no, I still, yes, I agree he should have baggage. But I think it was overplayed and... And, and he was, he, it, it, it was, it was too much. And and the, like, like he did, like he completely stopped using the force. Everything, um, it's too much because, because uh, then how could he do anything, if ultimately a threat came to Luke? He's not in any shape. So it's like, what's the point? Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's been 10 years. Nothing's happened to Luke. I mean, maybe he kept it up for a while. But then... I wish that he was like an alcoholic. Like he was boozing it up. <laughs> I don't wish that at all. He was just sitting there and as the years went on. <laughs> I definitely wish that. I do not wish that at all with the Obi-Wan character. Um, Remember, he was he was old crazy old Ben hiding out in the desert. Everyone thought he was just some old group. I know that's what his reputation was, but I didn't think he was literally crazy old Ben. So is the thing. So... Caleb, you're saying that after drinking 
years and years of Jameson that will turn you into Alec Guinness, maybe? That's it. That's what aged him up faster. Thank you. You, you got it. <laughs> yes. It'll do it. Hey, liquor will do it. No, I don't like it just like I don't like how Luke somehow became so diminished post-Jedi um, time. Uh, yeah. No, I don't like it at all. So what about the scenes where Obi-Wan interacts with Owen Lars? Um, there, we, there's, a, there's a point where Obi-Wan, with his minimum wage that he meeks out of, out of you know, carving up whale meat and uh, decides to buy uh, Luke a model, which we actually do see in A New Hope. I'm assuming it's the same one. Of course uh, that, it is. Of course Skyhopper. Yeah, the Skyhopper. Uh, he buys it off of uh, Tika, I think is the Jawa's name. <laughs> and uh, so he gifts that to him in the middle of the night, but Owen ends up like throwing it back at him the next day and breaks it basically saying, you know, stay out of his life. And and one of my favorite lines in this episode is said when they're arguing, he's like, well, you know, when the time comes and he starts to show, I'm going to train him. And uh, Owen's like, oh, like you trained his father? Man, I was exactly. like, damn, that is, that's hardcore. That probably burned pretty bad. Oh, don't use that word around Owen. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he get that? You jinxed it. That's it. But that's another reason why Obi-Wan's probably so beat up to is saying, oh, I tried to train Anakin and look what I did. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see that he's like actively planning to train Luke. I didn't think they were going to go in that direction. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess when he felt the, the time would come, I don't know when that would yeah. have been. See, but... I guess, and I know this is, not, uh, this, is, this is a different story than what they had set up at the end of Sith, but if y'all have ever seen like the series... Uh, or the movie called Hannah, um, mm. or uh, there was the Netflix series based on the graphic novel Sweet Tooth. Never saw it. And in both of those stories, um, an older person takes in like this very young person who's very important that everyone wants to re-kidnap or kill or whatever. So then this older mentor figure... Like takes them out into the middle of nowhere and protects them uh, from the time they're a little child till they're older, but while doing so, like trains them like in all these like survival skills and you know this is how you fight water and this is how you do this and and then treats it trains them how to fight and everything and build traps and I get it that's not what this story is with Luke and I mean that was the way it was set up from Sith like he was dropped off to be in someone else's care but for some reason i don't know maybe because that's more romantic in a literary sense but because if you have all those feelings about screwing up with um anakin and you know and also he didn't really start training anakin until he was older then why would you perhaps repeat those same mistakes with luke yeah it doesn't really seem to track but maybe maybe obi-wan's got some doubts about the jedi ways we'll talk about maybe oh i i believe that i do believe that uh especially with his associations with ahsoka as seen in clone wars i do believe there's truth to that so let's move ahead to the scene on alderaan where leah uh she's running away i guess from some kind of red hot chili peppers i don't know party or something yeah yeah flea shows up in this that's great um 
and he fits perfectly. Uh, but yeah, she runs away and uh, she's about to get kidnapped. And I've seen people complain about this scene, and I kind of agree that I'm one of them. Let me raise my hand. It, it yeah. yeah, me too. It, it takes too long. She's able to like she ducks underneath her legs, rolls under her law, whatever. <laughs> and um, I gotta say, the the guys that are chasing her, the aliens, or whatever, uh-huh. the bad guys, they trip and fall more times than than <laughs> the companions of Doctor Who in a chase scene. Oh boy, I agree. I'm sure a couple of them twist an ankle, you know. Yeah, it turned into a kid's movie during that scene. It didn't feel like it was a piece of Star Wars. It's not good. When she's just first running out into the forest, she's like prancing along like Sleeping Beauty. Um, didn't like it. And then the guys are getting chase. And then it's it's filmed like 70s chases where like they're about to catch up to the person and then the, 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 the scene changes. There's a cut and then they're like 20 yards back again. Uh... It's and also I really didn't like the incidental music that was played during that scene yes. as well. It was it was so generic, like they just got like some stand in action music from YouTube, uh license free. I think John Williams did the soundtrack for this. Da, 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 da. Uh, <laughs> Whoa, what? All he contributed was all he contributed was the theme this, for this Kenobi himself. Um, oh. <laughs> it was a completely different female composer who did the bulk of the actual composing. He just contributed the theme for Obi Wan himself. I see. And then she used that okay. theme and then composed everything else. Yeah, and I I also think that the again the, the weird handheld camera work just feels really cheap and bad in this. It feels like any like low rent like Stallone movie that you'd see coming out now. Oh, God. I don't or... want to say Stallone's name, but... Why are you picking on Stallone? Oh, my God. I know. Why are you pick... He's a national treasure. Oh, man, he's been making some bad... <laughs> I don't know about that, but... He's making some bad stuff lately. Boy, uh, boy. He's mad about the Drago movie, but... um, Him and him and Arnold, he'd see him making this kind of cheap crap with this action scene. Oh, God. There's even a scene where Leia runs, runs under this branch... An alien's about to run into it, but you can see the actor like slow down, and then they barely bump into it. And I was like, "Oh, cut away yeah. from that! Why would you show that?" <laughs> well, I know, I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about because I had the same thought. It's, I guess, because they're like the mask is like five thousand dollars. Don't let it touch anything. Maybe that's what it was. We didn't insure the mask. We got to use it for the next five episodes. Uh. uh, but yeah, so she gets kidnapped by Flea and his gang. Which we find out is a it's a scheme by um, Riva to kind of draw Obi Wan out since he was such good friends with Bail Organa, knowing that Bail would ask for Obi Wan's help. Yeah, uh, but she doesn't know the relationship of why Leia is so special or anything like that. Yeah, smart move on Riva's part. Too smart. Again, I don't have mm-hmm. I don't have the negativity towards the Riva character necessarily. I do. I do. That was too smart. Why too smart? You don't think she'd be studying her her prey as a inquisitor hunting a Jedi? You don't think she'd do research on him? How does she know all that? How does she? How does she know that Bale would call on Obi Wan for that? I I I think because Vader is obviously telling her, maybe. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. You don't think so? You don't think that the Empire has extensive records on the Jedi's that these people be hunting? Okay. This is her great whale, right? This is her. This is her okay. Moby. Dick. They do. I mean, I'm sure they have records on the Jedi. Yes, <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. This is her Moby Dick. But why does she think that 
kidnapping that child would draw out Obi-Wan specifically. Because she even says that Bale and Obi-Wan were good friends during the Clone Wars. Yeah, she thinks that maybe Bale has access to him or contact him. He was good friends with a lot of people. I think it's a super long shot. I I think no, I don't I don't think that. I I do. But it works. I think it's an amazing long shot. Cuz her point was to go after contacts who might still have access to him who could reach out and ask for help. They think, "Oh, you know, going out his kid gets kidnapped, who's he going to ask for help? His old friend Obi-Wan still out there." I mean, he, he, might, he might just hire mercenaries, but it was a, a shot in the dark that ended up working out for him. I think it was like a... Th- I mean, I need, I need a C-3PO to calculate, but, like, you have better odds of flying out of an asteroid field being chased by a Star Destroyer, I feel like. I got you. Well, yeah, I don't necessarily see it that way, but I guess fair <laughs> enough. But I do like the scene with, with uh, Jimmy Smits and Ewan McGregor. I thought that that was a... Yeah, oh, yeah. It's good to see Jimmy, Jimmy Smits again. I. Yeah. Getting older, get long in the tooth, but I like to see him. It's getting a little bit scary. He's starting to, he's starting to cross the uncanny valley of age, and, <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm sure. He, oh no! And I'm sure he's de-aged as well. On top of that, like really? No, that's that's how he looks now. He's in another show. Ah, uh, no, no. I bet, I bet you, he's been he was de-aged or touched up as much as possible. And I don't want to make the comparison, but kind of like how they try to de-age Joe Biden as much as humanly possible, uh, and have. What? what? Dude, they they use. <laughs> and I, I don't mean CGI de aging with Joe Biden. I mean they do everything possible with makeup, etc. They've been doing this for years now. Well, yes, of course they've always they always do that to make him look as youthful as you. Yes, I know, but they're doing that, and I wouldn't be surprised a little CGI as well. No, he's on some other show right now, and that's that's how he looks. And I've seen him in a few movies lately too. He's been popping up more. I've seen him in a movie too. But, like in other words, I don't think I don't think they did anything special de aging wise when he appears in Rogue One. But I feel like because this takes place uh, seven years before Rogue One, and of course he's a little bit older now, I feel like there's a little digital smoothing, just a little bit. Well, again, I mean, I don't think they give a fuck about that at all. They should have aged up Ewan McGregor here. Maybe his years on the road. Maybe I think he's fine. Even though I know what you're saying about. Um, how he's supposed to transform into Guinness. I get it, but I, I think he's fine. Yeah, that that doesn't feel a little comical to you? You don't look at that and feel like, what, how does this make any sense at all? No, because it doesn't make sense if you go forward, but to me it makes sense in that this was produced um, 20... This was made 16 years after Sith. Uh so he's obviously aged in real time 16 years and it's only supposed to be 10 years post sith so if you start with the prequels he is completely aged appropriately no now if you retroactively want to connect him to Guinness, then yeah it's a little bit more difficult but see now retroactively you could say that Guinness was cast too old <laughs> no 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 <laughs> because <laughs> because 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 you McGregor has obviously been Obi Wan a heck of a lot more than Guinness ever was, so so retroactively, uh, Guinness was cast too old, but you and McGregor is right on track. That's that is some weird head head canning. <laughs> For me, I always thought it was a mistake to give such a weird timeline. Like, why did Luke have to be? I mean, I guess. I guess Anakin had to produce him in the, the span of those movies, but why not give it like 
until Anakin's like in his late 30s, maybe early 40s to, to have his kid. Why make him so young? It, it never made any sense to me why they did that. But I guess that's not uh, really to this series necessarily, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain it. There, there is no explanation. It never made any sense. That's the... Uh... And that's, again, why a show like this would more appeal to you guys who who are more of a fan of those prequels. I mean, this there's a lot of stuff here that I could never really go with. I was about that earlier when you mentioned Precocious. Who pulled off Precocious better, 10-year-old Leia or 10-year-old Anakin in Phantom Menace? Because they're both Precocious. I uh, I never was a fan of Jake Lloyd's acting, honestly, but... Right. No, no. Yeah, definitely her. <laughs> Again, yeah, I think this actress would just run circles around her, him as well as, as her Luke brother. Um, yeah, she'll probably stumble a few times on that run, but she'll keep it She'll keep it going. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I just finished the first episode. I don't know if you guys yes. have much more to say on that one. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so we do see that Bale does go to Obi-Wan and says, yeah, I need your help. Ends up convincing him. Uh, after I think after we once sees Navi, has been strung up, uh, been killed by the yeah. uh, Inquisitors. So now he's you know, maybe now that they found their Jedi, they, they can leave him alone. But he decides to go ahead and help Bale. And I like the scene that the scene it kind of ends on where he goes out into the middle of the desert, and digs up the uh, lightsabers. He digs up Anakin and his old lightsaber, yeah. and so basically setting off onto his journey. I, th- I thought it was a good ending. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a, th- a fine way to end it. Yeah, overall, I think it was a good first episode, all things considered. Um, oh, I thought you didn't like it, Eric. Yeah. You, or was it Caleb that didn't? No, I, yeah, I think it was Eric. I, I don't remember saying that. But um, overall, I thought it was a, a decent first episode. What I didn't like is that uh, Disney released... Um, the first two episodes simultaneously uh, right because there's only six total and it just made the whole thing transpire that much faster um the whole season or whatever you want to call it i didn't really like that and they're doing something like that with andor the forthcoming series um they're releasing the first three all at once the only difference is they've already made 10 i believe and i think it's supposed to be 20 in total or something like that so 20 episodes well eventually but 10 initially i think i can understand why they would do it in this case i mean the second episode's a lot more action-packed maybe they were worried having such kind of a slow talky first episode wouldn't pull in a lot of star wars fans but i i i liked it It, yes caleb it is a little slow but i feel like it's the setup we yeah. See where Obi- oh, where what's Obi Wan been up to? Why is he? You know, I mean, you've got to give the hero a start or the the reason for him to go on a journey or on the adventure. We we see that. I mean, he's we know according to canon, he's been stuck on Tatooine watching Luke all this time. So now we've got to come up with a reason to get him off planet to have an adventure. But there's got to be a really good reason for him to leave the planet. Um, yeah, and kind of see where he's coming, and, and, I, and I know some people are going to complain about in the next episode about his face off with Anakin or Vader, um, how weak he is. But you can't have Obi Wan kick ass at the beginning. He's got to be able to grow yeah. as a character. And how do you do that when you know when he defeated Vader already? 
So you've got to you got to start them off as weak and broken. And I and I in Eric, I know what you were saying about like with the sequel trilogy where Luke and I agree with that. I hated where they took Luke uh, in the sequel trilogy, but yep. with Obi Wan, I thought it made sense because uh, we have to start off with him being less than what he once was because he gave up gave up that life. And we've got to see him kind of recapture that spirit. I agree with it. I just think it was overdone. I, I know literary, from a literary point of view, you have to do that. I agree. I just think it was overdone. Oh, I thought they handled it well. I think they could have even gone more with it. But um, I also wanted to say, as much as I do think that the Inquisitors were kind of played a little too comically at times, or, or played too cartoonishly, I should say, I did think that scene where the um, Reva was kind of interrogating Owen, I thought that played really well too. It was a good insight for Owen, still kind of, um, I guess he said he wasn't protecting Obi-Wan, but it played that way. I thought that was, uh, right after their kind yeah. of fight, I thought that that was a good moment for him as a character, even though we don't see much of him in this. I agree with that as well. Well, and it shows that he does care for, for Luke, even though Luke is not technically even blood relation to him. Um, you know, he's, that, he's adopted Luke as his son, and he obviously cares for him. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was nice to see that because I've always wondered, like, what was Owen's opinion in in uh, in the original Star Wars? Because if they aren't weren't related, he kind of took on this mantle of this kid that could turn out this to be the uh, horrible <laughs> villain. And not only that, you have the worst villain in the galaxy, you know, mm-hmm. that could potentially come after you at any moment. I mean, that's that's a big thing. But so it was nice to see that Owen was so dedicated to having a family. And, <clears throat> you know, and protecting and protecting that family, mm-hmm. and I don't think he was joking when he said he hated Jedi. He's like, they're vermin. Any vermin, I, you know, take care of it. And I think he's probably really felt that. I don't, I don't think he enjoys Obi Wan sneaking yeah. <laughs> around the farm at night, delivering, you know, <laughs> unwanted toys yeah. like Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> or whatever the Tatooine version of Santa Claus is. Yeah, and I'm sure he knows the history of Jedi's like kidnapping kids and taking them from their families. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, this fucker, I better keep him away. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys knew this, um, in case I forget to bring it up for the third episode, but when the um, when the original trilogy came out, and I think this was before Disney destroyed all the um, expanded universe stuff, that Owen was supposed to be uh, Obi-Wan's brother. Oh. Yeah, and before the prequels came out. This was way back... Um, Interesting. Kind of making it, and I forgot where I read it. It was probably in Starlog or something like that. But I think that was the original idea that they were brothers. Probably works better than having him be Anakin's somewhat brother. Because mm. <laughs> again, that's another choice. I mean, maybe we'll save that for uh, Revenge of the Sith. But that's another choice that I always thought was just completely baffling. Like, oh, Anakin. <laughs> I would, I'm like, get this kid away from me. What are you kidding? I don't, I don't need the Empire after me. What about when Vader decides, oh, I'm going to go visit my own ho- my old homestead. Hey, what's this kid? He kind of looks like me. You know, I mean, maybe not at the best hiding place. Oh, wait, what's, <laughs> what's his last name? What did you say it was? It's not Lars, it's what? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Except you wouldn't say it like that. Another just thing that makes no sense. But into the uh, the second episode here, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ben, is he goes on to a transport to uh, a new planet. Yay. Uh, Dayu, which to me, we kind of I like the look of this planet. It had a um, again, if we go back to Legends, 
Nashidar, I think is the name of the planet, where it's kind of like a, a gambling cesspool of a planet where the gangsters hang out. Well, at mm-hmm. least that's us to put this. I was going to say, don't say gambling planet. <laughs> I know, that's what no. I was thinking too. I, was, I said, don't say gambling planet. Why? Immediately go to The Last Jedi. That alludes to The Last <laughs> Jedi and, and that terrible. Oh, that one. That oh. terrible side quest. <laughs> the worst part of the movie. It had kind of a Blade Runner esque feel to it as well. Oh, it is Planet Blade Runner. <laughs> there's no yeah Planet Blade Runner. Like we could just call it. Oh, that. there's no doubt about <laughs> that. But it's also reminiscent of in Attack of the Clones when they go to the lower levels of Coruscant. Look very much like that as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we get a little bit of you know, Obi Wan just kind of walking around, and this is we get to one of my favorite parts of this this series, at least out of the three episodes I've seen. Yeah. Which is the uh, the homeless clone trooper. Oh, yes. Yeah, and Obi-Wan just kind of, like, he hears a, a beggar asking, he turns around, and he just has this look of just, like, stunned. Seeing that face that I'm, I'm sure he saw many, many times. I thought that was a really powerful little moment there. And it's played by the same actor that does Boba Fett and yeah. Jango Fett. Uh, what, what's his name? Ter- yeah, Tamara Morrison. Help me here. That's it. Tamara Morrison, yes. Um... Do you think that that trooper recognized Obi Wan? Mm. No, I don't think it's one who served with Obi Wan. No, I don't. I think he's just a random trooper. Yeah, probably not. But just being kind of faced with that that face again, like an old friend, and also like the ultimate betrayal, kind of. You don't think he would have known one of the generals? No, that, that yeah. I mean, their faces were probably all over the place in propaganda. Yeah, and like all the Jedi's were generals, and there's many of them, and. And yeah, you know, Obi was trying to fly to the radar. I don't think he recognized them. But there's a interesting cameo directly after that one. Oh, uh, when like directly after that scene, which is um, Obi Wan is still trying to get some information or something, and there's the girl who wants to sell him something. Um, oh yeah, oh, yeah. like that sticks. Do you know who she is? The actress. Ah, she looked familiar, but no. Ooh, she... And she even says that at the end of their conversation, something about like I had a dad once. Um, uh huh. What's that from? Well, it's not what it's from. It's what it's alluding to. <laughs> uh, she's actually uh, Ewan McGregor's daughter in real life. No, really? Yeah. Huh. They do not look similar. Like I've watched the scene over, like their faces, they don't really look related, but um, at all. But yeah, that was his real life daughter having a little cameo. Mm. You know who I thought it was when I first saw it? The kid who pl- plays Will in Stranger Things. <laughs> oh, I, I, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Um, Oh, I don't remember. What is who plays Will? Oh, wait, do you mean Will or the other one? Um, maybe it is Will. Yeah, I can see Will. I'm not sure what you mean. Eric. Oh, I was thinking. Oh, for some reason, I was thinking of the other kid from Stranger Things, uh, the one who plays Mike. Will Byers. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, My mind went to Mike, and that's what made me laugh. I wasn't thinking Will. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I could definitely see it with Will, but um. I was going to say, you mentioning uh, having the real-life kids show up in a, your, your project. Mm-hmm. It's giving me flashbacks to Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, dear. God, all the kids. And, really? and I'll say a bias for myself. I don't always love kids in, in adult fiction. <laughs> I, I can enjoy kids' movies. <laughs> but for... I hate those kids. 
Yeah, for, for sh shows or movies that aren't focused on kids, sometimes inserting them just feels really unnatural. Mm -hmm. like, of course, Will Wheaton in, in Star Trek The Next Generation, that first season. Like you just, it... or, Vicky, or Vicky on Love Boat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, can't, can't stop talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I don't always... I, I think, I know, uh, seriously, I think Vicky from The Love Boat and, and Will from... Um, or Wesley from Star Trek Next Generation, same character. I just I don't yeah, know why they put same them. character. Makes no sense. Um, what's her name? Didn't like annoying, annoying, annoying little kid that that shouldn't be on the bridge. That I well, she know. didn't helm the ship though. <laughs> oh, I bet I bet, she was a she was Captain Stubing's daughter. I bet she did. I bet he's like, hey, honey, won't you take the wheel for a little bit while I oh, take a my nap? Gosh. Yeah, and I remember Scrappy taking the wheel, trying to drive around, you know, and everyone's like, oh, Scrappy, dude, get oh, out of here, yes, man. Oh, yes, Scrappy. God. <laughs> yeah, but he was precocious, too. <laughs> he was very precocious. He was the kind of yeah. kid who was, like, smoking cigarettes off screen. <laughs> it's on speed. That explains like a lot. Chachi and Happy Days. Like, like Chachi was banging everybody. I could never understand. Behind the scenes. Oh, I hate Chachi. I hate Scott Bayo to this day because of that. Oh, my so. gosh. <laughs> Well, he's in charge of all my wrongs and my rights. What other kid characters are horrible? <laughs> what was the name of uh, What's Happening? The Raj's sister, what was her name? I hated her. What's happening? I didn't get to see What's Happening, sorry. No, the kid um, the kid on Battlestar Galactica. That kid was pretty Oh, cool. yes. Oh, well, I'm talking about the original uh, What right was his now. name? Um, yeah, yeah. What was his name? Uh, Boxy? No, Boxy was the dog. Um Oh yeah, what was his yeah, name? His dog was named Stephen Moffat. Oh shit! What? <laughs> <laughs> Don't remember that being mentioned in the episode. Thanks, Eric. I'm gonna have to look this up now. I'm looking at it too. Yeah, no, I'm I'm doing the same. Wasn't even this kid. <laughs> that creepy ass dog. I'm sure he's still alive. I'm sure Sean would know if he was here. God, he looks like a Treyu from Neverending Story. He is. That's the same kid. Yep, that is the same thing. It is Boxy. There you go. His name was Boxy. No, but it, yeah, it was yeah. Boxy. Oh, the kid. So Moffat. See, that? Stephen Moffat was the dog's name. What? Muffet. I know it was no, Muffet. I know it was Muffet. Oh, okay. I know, but oh, every, God, I, I had never heard the surname Moffat until Stephen Moffat, and it always made me think of the dog from Battlestar Galactica. Not Peter Moffat. <laughs> I didn't really know his name back then, until after um, uh, Stephen Moffat. Well, yeah, it is the a little Atreyu. A lot. Hmm. Yeah, it's him. There were a lot of great British actors on Battlestar Galactica. Oh my god! Yeah, Patrick McNee, uh, Patrick McNee, Wilfred Hyde White, Jonathan Harris. Was he British? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, but you know someone who is British, Ewan McGregor. Oh no, wait, he's Scottish, isn't he? <laughs> he's Scottish. <laughs> My uh, my failed uh, segue. Mary Van Dyke. Mary Van Dyke was in that show. I wonder if he's part of the Van Dyke family. <laughs> oh, and John Finnegan. Okay, well, we'll get back to Obi Wan. Yes, I'm there sorry. you go. It's not the Battlestar Galactica. Save that for another day. I'd love to do that podcast. Well, <laughs> I, I'm a fan of the fake Jedi. Um, Me too. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's Palestinian. I think he's Palestinian as opposed to Indian. Is Haja? Yeah, he's the. That was a great scene. I loved it. Yeah, uh, played by. Yeah, no, th this guy. I don't know. When I first saw the trailers for Eternals, I saw that that guy, and I was That's like, right. "Oh no, he's yeah. 
Yeah, I was like, he's going to be the one that I'm going to really dislike in this movie. But I don't know, the actor, he's just got a way of kind of charming me. There's something about his his persona that I that I can enjoy. So even though he was another comedian just kind of playing his, his usual thing, like this didn't really feel like a character on its own. It felt like that actor being in Star Wars, you know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it worked because I kind of enjoy his persona. So, so I didn't mind as much. Yeah, so Obi-Wan kind of is onto his little trick of telling people he was a Jedi to help them, I guess, leave the planet or whatever. Uh, but he's going to use, his, I guess, his information to find Leia. Um, I don't know what he tells Obi-Wan, but I think he gets in. It's funny because Obi-Wan gets himself inside a, it looks like a meth lab or a spice <laughs> lab. Whatever it is. Yeah, spice space lab. Space drugs lab. Yeah, there's some funny aliens in there. Yeah, you know, space drugs, can be serious stuff. Uh, it's par- pretty hardcore. Um, yeah, and I'll just yeah, he finds Leia there. I'll just say on the spice thing. I don't know if we really yeah. need to see people high on it and focusing on it as much as they do in the Disney era. In the original <laughs> trilogy, it it felt more like just kind of a, a reference to Dune in its way, and just kind of yeah, a, well, a little side piece. I didn't. I don't know if we needed that much focus on. I it. like it. I like. Especially in Solo, that we got to see the Spice Mines of Kessel for real, for once. Mm-hmm. And I actually do like it, uh, seeing... Because it's another dimension of Star Wars, we just... Like, 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 like what, you think it doesn't happen? Uh, you know, somewhere in this fictional universe? Um, now, we don't have mm-hmm. to make, like, a Star Wars version of, like, the movie Traffic or anything like that. We don't have to... <laughs> but... Or train spotting, or train spotting, but just to show a bit of it, I'm okay with that. Well, there does seem to be a your earlier episode, Eric. You said that Star Wars is Disney had a fetish for um, what was it again? Uh, um, uh, the Order sixty six. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Order sixty six. They also seem to have a thing for uh, spice because, like you said, Solo, that was about that spice run. Uh, you have. Boba Fett, where he's fighting the the syndicate that runs the spice. Oh yeah, um, and then in this one, I mean, so yeah, maybe Disney's really trying to uh, push the drug scene. Yeah, but I really like that inclusion in the Boba Fett storyline. Um, it makes sense. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, this is kind of a stupid point, but I remember everyone talking about, oh, Kenobi, they should have just called it Riva because Riva takes over the whole show. That's kind of how I felt with Book of Boba Fett and The Mandalorian. It's just like, you should have just called it, I don't know, either Mandalorian Season 3 or, or something. Because when he showed up, it felt like it turned to his show for the rest of it. But <laughs> It did? I don't know if I agree with that. I know I know people I, yeah, people say that, but I don't know if I agree with that. I, it did for an episode, but I welcomed it. Yeah, yeah that was just a side dig. Because I, I, I don't think, at least these three episodes no. in... But this really was the... This really wasn't the Kenobi show. I don't feel like it's the Reva show. Oh, I think it's a. I think it's the Reva Leia show. What? No, I. I still feel like he gets the majority of the screen time and the character focus. Uh, At least in these first three episodes, I haven't seen the rest of it. Maybe he falls out. I'm just thinking about these first three episodes. I don't know. I thought it's fine. You, you really think that she gets more screen time than him? You see, because because Mandalorian is almost the Grogu show as well. But the way you can rationalize it in your head, Canon. Is you can rationalize Grogu as being the future Mandalorian, so then it works again, <laughs> being called the Mandalorian. Oh, but I mean, especially in the second episode, 
we didn't we don't even see her until like maybe near the end of it or at least the halfway point oh you're talking about reva yeah reva yes i don't think it's the reva show yet like full on but i do think it's the leia show yeah that's you can you can kind of tell that deborah chow i think that's what her name was the director yeah you can tell that she like fell in love with the performance this kid in this episode it's kind of like in the phantom menace where at a certain point like almost every scene the point of view character is jar jar it seems like every scene, the point of view character is little Leia here. <laughs> I don't have a problem with that. So. It's very unexpected. Some of it, it, some of it's kind of distracting. Very unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the other thing that uh, Disney has a fetish with is um, is is younglings being, and I don't mean youngling in a Jedi sense, but I mean young people um, being saved and brought along. A la Lone Wolf and Cub. Oh. They do have a finishness with that because they've done it at least three times. If I think harder, it's probably been done more than that. Um, yeah, let's not forget the Casino Planet introduction uh, of needlessly inserting kids in there. And, that's another one. Yeah, they do have an obsession. But again, uh, it's also uh, the central thrust of uh, Bad Batch as well. Oh, Adric. Adric, I'm sorry. I was just remembering our conversation. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. He's the best. Of annoying examples. <laughs> Sorry, that's that just came out of nowhere. Oh but. no, that is that is so true. <laughs> poor Adric. Yeah, poor Adric. R.I.P. Brother. Oh, but um, yeah, I don't know if I have a ton to say with this one, but this one does kind of feel like a little bit of a, almost like a filler episode in a way. It's kind of oh, let's see how Obi Wan and Leia kind of how their dynamic falls into place. But mm-hmm. plot wise, I don't feel like there's too much going on, and besides, kind of enjoying the the new setting. I don't feel like there's too much to this episode. This one kind of threw me because... So the way the first one set up, okay, Leia's been kidnapped. And I thought, oh no, I don't want this to be what the whole series is about. And when I say whole series, like I know it's only six episodes and I knew that going in. But then how this episode progressed, I thought, oh, this is good. Because now he will save her, it seems like, by the end of this episode. And then we can move on. And I thought, then we'd put Leia to rest, so to speak. And then I thought mm. Obi-Wan would go on to something else. Um, so so I was s- sort of pleasantly surprised at the time, watching episode two. Mm. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, oh, good, they're going to wrap this up quickly. Well, I, I, I enjoyed seeing all the different aliens. I thought running through yeah. the streets, the, the whole uh, rooftop chase, I like that. Um, you know, uh, the scene where you know Obi Wan's not too comfortable using the Force, but he's forced to save Leia because she jumps, and um, he has mm. to save her from you know turning into a a splat on the street. <laughs> that was a good. It was it was set up obviously to be what it was, but it was still well done and poignant, even though it was manufactured. It's a really unfortunate that you know, it didn't work for Andrew Garfield. His Spider-Man movies. Oh, <laughs> get out of here! Another R.I.P. Did you pay him to say that? Did you like pay him a cameo fee to That's say right. that, Caleb? I'll send you the e-transfer. Oh, get out of here! That's foul. That's foul. I love freaking Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man, and that is Emma Stone. That is, I love him. That yeah, is not fine. cool to bring that up in this context. <laughs> But I do want to say, uh, 
I don't understand why. It's they... in my writer that no one's going to bring anything up Andrew Garfield or Spider Man related whenever I do any podcast. Oh, I can't wait till we cover those movies. Unless it's in a positive light. It <laughs> <laughs> wasn't a knock against any of those oh, actors. That was dirty. Like that Andrew was Garfield. Oh, that was dirty. He's discussing his failure to save his girlfriend and leading to her untimely demise. You don't know how many times I've watched TikToks <laughs> that just show Andrew Garfield like crying at her tombstone. Like I have watched so many TikToks. Oh, really? Is that a yes. Thing? And I cry as I watch those TikToks. Yeah, you cry. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. How dare y'all. Oh, but but do you cry when we get the repeat of little Leia going on another chase scene? Oh, gosh. Once it... again, running between people's feet. Like, do we need to see that again? At 0. 0.2 miles per hour. Oh, geez. Yes, she's not even running. <laughs> she's jogging barely, and Obi-Wan's just walking. <laughs> oh, it's like, why did we do this? Why did we do that it's scene? Like, it's like a, it's like a horrible wicket chase scene or something. Well, maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's why she could bond with the Ewoks and Jedi. <laughs> oh God, I was once little like you. She's got similar leg structure. Hey, wicket, wicket, roll, wicket, roll under the log like this. Oh my God, now maybe if Obi would have like held out like a nougat bar, maybe little Leia would have hmm. trusted him sooner. Now I was just thinking of Sindel, if you guys remember Sindel from the, uh, the Ewok movies. I do remember Sindel. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. What was that the little blonde, curly-haired girl? Little blonde girl, yeah. Now, who is the better actress between these two? Once hmm. again, when I was a kid, even though it doesn't make sense, I thought that that movie, the first one, I think, which is Caravan of Courage, or wait, is that the second one? Yeah. Whichever the first one is, Ewok Adventure, as a yeah. kid... I thought that was supposed to be the story about Luke and Leia losing their parents and crashing on Endor when they were little. I know it doesn't make sense because they have an age difference. Yes. um, And that doesn't make sense for them being twins. But that's what I thought that movie was when I watched it as a kid over and over. So I kind of thought that was like little Leia. That's that's interesting. I never understood. I don't remember the characters' names at all, but the brother, I couldn't understand why he had an X-Wing flight suit on. Never mm. But yeah, Mace, the little racist too. But he's a racist. He was more like yeah, he's super racist in that in that towards the Ewoks. <laughs> he was he more closely resembled a young Mark Hamill than Jake Lloyd or whoever this kid is um, who plays the yeah, Luke. that's true. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, post uh post Corvette accident or car accident, Luke. Yeah, the the accident in those was the uh, the second one, and they're all just massacred in a few <laughs> moments. You guys remember that? We open it with the whole family being yes. massacred, including the brother, and then Sindel's just like, "My family's dead." Oh well. <laughs> George Lucas, man, he had some crazy ideas. One of the the biggest plot holes that come up because of this series mm. is in A New Hope when Luke and Leia, as they're escaping the Death Star on the, on the Falcon. They see Obi-Wan get struck down, and, you know, Luke obviously is very upset, even though he didn't seem to care about his aunt and uncle. Uh, <laughs> didn't react to that, <laughs> but, um... Aww. But if Leia has gone on this adventure with Obi-Wan, she didn't seem to care. Like, eh. <laughs> That was... That's Obi-Wan? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's... That's interesting. He was already pretty old. He was, it was probably his time. 
Yeah, because I remember talking to, to Eric on, on Facebook, I think, and I was saying, like, oh, it's kind of interesting, you know, maybe it makes sense now that she reached out to, to Obi-Wan and, like, Obi-Wan, you're our only hope because they had this past relationship. But, yeah, it doesn't really make sense considering yeah. his death. <laughs> well, two episodes in, I can still rationalize it, two episodes into Obi-Wan, because, first of all, there was still hope that she may not, uh, no pun intended, recognize who this person is if she only knew him for this episode really it doesn't look like obi-wan, <laughs> Obi-Wan I no 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 not that because the headcanon workaround is that um alec guinness is obviously not ewan mcgregor so that's why she didn't recognize him right there you go <laughs> you know maybe maybe time just passes differently on tattooing because think about poor uncle owen too i mean he aged like a motherfucker in those those right years. so but i mean no but seriously because i when i thought that there was a chance that this was the end of the leia storyline with this episode i could have believed mm-hmm. that yeah she didn't have all this attachment to obi-wan so then maybe she didn't recognize him yeah. at all uh and but but that gets shattered um the further we get into this series, during the uh, the chasing with Riven when, on the rooftop, she's like doing this parkour. Yeah, and she is. Wow. I don't know why. If you guys are fans of The Office, when uh, I'm aware, when the, uh, the when he goes parkour, parkour, I like, that was going off in my head whenever she was jumping across the rooftops. Uh, Casino Royale was going off in my head. Um, yes, <laughs> that's I- exactly what was in my head. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, they should have brought in the director of that to just shoot these scenes. Like, are you are you busy for like a day? Because we need some help on this thing. Because it does not look good. <laughs> oh, and they did a little, they did a little in Boba Fett when um, uh, what's her name? Oh, Shan. When Ming uh, Ming Na Wen. It worked better there. She went after those guys in tattoo or not Tatooine, Masa, mm-hmm. wherever they are. It is Tatooine. Most that's probably. But yeah, she's a little parkour there as well. Yeah. They did a lot better in that one. I don't know why it looked so... It kind of was reminding me of The Matrix Reloaded for some reason. I'm not even sure why. Maybe just her uh, her jacket, like the big leather jacket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, what did you guys think about her final kind of uh, meeting with Obi-Wan in that little, whatever that place was, little storage or, I guess, cargo bay or something? I was surprised she knew who Anakin was. Like, I thought that would have been a secret. Like... Vader would want to have kept. It would have been, but it's been hinted. It's not confirmed yet on episode two, but a lot of people had a pretty good idea of how she knew already at this point. Hmm. And and Caleb alluded to it earlier. Oh, oh, oh because okay. of the order because of the order sixty six flashbacks. Oh yeah, I guess everyone would have seen Anakin just marching around, yeah, with his demon eyes. So that's how she. That's <laughs> how trying she to kill knew. younglings I mean, to be revealed in future episodes. <laughs> But that's how she knew. Yeah, I guess she could have been one of the younglings. Please don't kill me, master. And then, yeah, something happens. Yikes. <laughs> but I, I I, didn't mind her killing that Grand Inquisitor. I was happy to see him go. Um, I didn't mention the, uh, the actor who was playing that Grand Inquisitor. Uh-huh. Was in one of the Hitman movies, playing Hitman. And he oh. was just as stiff and bad in that. He was like the same just weird dead eyes performance so i was very happy to see him leave the um, show <laughs> i tried not to jump out of my seat when when he got impaled um because i tried oh. not to be a reactionary fan um like all these other fans jumped out of their seats uh in that moment because there was a large segment okay because again he's a he's a recurring character 
but in Rebels, which takes place after this. And there was a large segment oh. who were like, oh my god, like Disney's doing it. Like they are completely breaking established canon. Like, and people were going, they went off the deep end that, that, you know, doesn't Disney do any research? Yeah, I remember that. Like, don't they know? Like, how could they do this? You can't kill that character before he appears, like, <laughs> in Rebels. Like, oh my God, people lost their shit about it. Uh, but I kept containing myself, like, oh, wow. like I, I reserved the right of outrage because I was like, no, I, I, I hope and think there'll be an explanation. I just hope and think there'll be an explanation. But people lost their minds. So the uh, episode ends with Vader, I'm guessing his Bacta tank or whatever you call that. That's what it's called. Know, bathtub. <laughs> and space bath. And uh, becomes becomes aware of Obi-Wan. And with the breathing, oh man, I thought that was a, a really sweet ending. Really kind of ramped up. Kind of the, you know, shit's about to hit the fan next episode. So I liked, I liked that ending. Quite considerably, considerably more than the last one. Yeah, maybe I'm too. Maybe I'm just too jaded. The breathing <laughs> was uh, Halo. with the black screen was making me think of the end of the Phantom Menace. Okay. Why? <laughs> oh, because at the very after the uh, the credits are done, you hear that breathing, and with the black screen like that, it just gave me a flashback to that, and I was like, oh no. So it so it didn't it it didn't pump me up. I just maybe I'm too. I've seen too much, and I'm scarred by my. Uh, my anti-prequel biases <laughs> but eric were you were you pumped up by that moment as well i was just surprised um because i thought that they would hold back vader till the very end of this series uh, i was surprised to even mm. get a glimpse of him this early on well that's fair yeah i, I kind of figured that he was going to be a big part of it since hayden christensen was out there talking about his return to acting with this yeah, but I guess we'll discuss him a little bit more in the third episode because I think that's the first time that we see him. I don't know if he was playing that in makeup version there, or if that was just like a stunt guy. Uh, I think it's him in the in the in the makeup. I really, really think it is him. Okay. And I think, hmm. to a degree, it was him when it was Vader fully suited up, but not certainly not always. Um, but I think he did a fair amount. Oh, cool. That's interesting. Yeah, and we definitely get a lot more Vader, Vader in this one. So yeah, I'm definitely curious to discuss how that, uh, how that turned out. But uh, how does this one open up? Okay, she looks like Will Byers. I just saw her again. <laughs> I'll give you that. She does, doesn't she? She does. I, that's who I, th- I thought it was a boy because you can't quite tell if it's a boy or a girl. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. But I just thought it looked like Will Byers. Yeah, you're right. And she's a little like Eric Stoltz's girlfriend in Pulp Fiction, uh, Arquette. That was trippy. Huh. Well, the one with all the, the piercings. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. Travolta says, why does she have all that stuff in her face? It's like she's a human pincushion. <laughs> yeah, how dated. <laughs> Shows the uh, the era that it came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but I think that the, the, the first scene in this third episode is... I like the kind of juxtaposition of seeing uh, Kenobi kind of trying to reach back to his past, talking to... reaching back to his old master... And then we see just what he kind of turned his apprentice into. Yeah. See Anakin that's kind of barely a man. I thought that was a, a cool way to, uh, to open the episode. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm really happy that they brought uh, James Earl Jones back as the uh, the voice of Vader. Ooh. 
Yeah, and he sounds so much better in this. Oh, wait. He sounded he pretty wait, weak in uh, Rogue One. Did they? Is that yeah. your hold on? Yeah. I've, oh, that's, I feel like I've heard two different things about that. I'm pretty sure that's him. Hold on. Yeah, because in Rogue One, he sounds old. Yeah, he sounds like he's sick or something. Oh. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you're saying James Earl Jones in this, in Kenobi? Mm-hmm. Unless they got just a fantastic... Uh... I thought it was somebody else. Oh, okay. But I'm not sure. I'll try to confirm Yeah, it definitely that. sounded like him. Oh, I, and he, I think he nailed the voice from the original yeah. trilogy. It, I, I mean, I was like, that's Vader. Okay. They say they say it is him. And I'm pretty good at picking that out just from playing from playing like Star Wars video games. You know, like, oh, you can say, oh he's close, but, you know, not quite on <laughs> Yeah. On, Quite on it. I was even getting, uh, I was even thinking of the Lion King. I could hear the Lion King in there a little bit in a few words. Yeah. <laughs> or even like, like we said, Rogue One. Even though that was James Earl Jones, his voice sounded just elderly. In that yeah. Movie. But they they got it in this one. Oh, here's what it yeah. was. Here's what I care. I knew there was something to oh. it. Do you guys remember some years ago there was this promotion for like um, a GPS service in the UK? And they got Tom Baker's yes. voice to be on the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know they ba- they basically made like a like a like a an audio version of like a Tom Baker like dictionary, so that mm-hmm. the little AI could you know say anything, but it's Tom Baker's voice. That is the technology they used in Kenobi. Um. Behind the scenes, they have created a James Earl Jones AI speech uh, algorithm. Really? Yes. And so oh, this Darth Vader, it's the real James Earl Jones voice, but it's through an AI speech synthesizer that creates the lines. Interesting. So he didn't do any reading, you're saying? Yes, I believe that is correct. It was this AI that they've created. Huh. Um, using his real voice. Wow. It almost seems faulty to credit him then. It should be more like James Earl Jones archival audio. Because it seems disingenuous to put him on there like, oh, James Earl Jones giving us a performance. If it's just an AI. Wow. That gets wonky. The company that made it, it's it's weird that it's a Ukrainian tech company. Um, This company's called Respeacher. And they're the ones who did it. I don't know if it was the same company, but I, I remember buying one of those GPS units before it was on cell phones, right? And I had downloaded the Dalek voice. Oh, cool. And that was great. And uh, it would get really angry at you if you missed an exit or you went a wrong way. Um, hmm. It was quite funny. And uh, you could download, like, they had Darth Vader, they had Yoda, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger, which I think was an impersonator. They had some other stars, but I always thought the Yoda one would be just too oh. confusing. Oh, and... <laughs> oh. Yeah, I had one of those with uh, Kevin Conroy doing Batman. This is not the first time... Like... <laughs> this is not the first time um, uh, Disney Star Wars has worked with the same company. Uh, apparently, they used some of its technology for Rogue One because they said that James Earl Jones sounded too old to be the young Vader for Rogue One, but in that one, they use the technology to de-age his voice. Um, uh, didn't work. And they also use this this technology, the one where it's not even the real person, but it's just the AI. 
they did it in the Mandalorian for whenever Luke spoke. That was the same algorithm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, again, they credited Mark Hamill. For, that seems that just doesn't seem. They seem like they got to figure their shit out there. You can't be crediting people for performances and not even giving that. Just again, that seems like they're lying to the audience. Again, it was Mark Hamill's voice. Maybe they're, maybe they're delivering the line. Well, according to this, it was Mark Hamill's voice that was then de-aged, but it was the AI that was speaking the lines. At least that's what this article I'm reading is saying. Yeah, that's... Because, I mean, you could easily sell someone like, oh, this actor coming back, and then it's not even them. I mean, that's... Yeah. That just seems weird. I'm still pissed that wasn't <laughs> uh, Grand Moff talking in uh, Rogue One. <laughs> yeah, resurrect Peter Cushing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That, yeah. I'm just I'm joking about that. I'm joking about that. No, uh, we'll discuss that in my outrage in the theater. I couldn't I yeah, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I was like, this this is this is an outrage. I, I was fine with it. I had more issues with the other one in that movie. But anyway. Yeah, as a giant okay. Peter Cushing fan, I was yeah, completely unimpressed. But, but yes, back to this this episode. I also wanted to mention because we were talking about Rogue One. I think that they they kind of for whatever reason fucked up the vader outfit in that one. Oh yeah they just looked wonky this one it looks really? a lot more polished and a lot more yeah kind of accurate to oh. the, the vader costume that i think of there's a youtuber uh, out there in the, in the star wars fandom and he he self-describes himself uh like he's on the spectrum he has autism and he has this deep fascination with like the uh, the vader costume and so he knows every possible intricate detail of every iteration of the Vader costume on screen. And so he looks at this series, Obi-Wan, and he says, while it is one of the most accurate reproductions they've done, like in, in an on-screen Star Wars thing, he can still see, like, it's an amalgam of, like, he can still see bits of A New Hope, Vader costume, bits of Empire, a bit of uh, Jedi, so he can mm-hmm. actually see like it's crazy when he really breaks it down, like all the little details. So it's still not a perfect pre A New Hope Vader costume, but he says it's one of the best though. <laughs> they still picked and choose yeah. chose certain little details though from the different movies. Well, it's it's fascinating. I used to kind of study the Vader helmet because I I always thought it was neat that they use different helmets though i didn't quite understand why they took that avenue yeah. but like if you ever look at the helmet and vader's cheeks on either side the, the shape are different yeah yeah oh like asymmetrical is what you mean i think right yeah asymmetrical yeah yeah, yeah. That's, that was the word i should have used yeah but it's kind of wonky actually <laughs> the whole vader helmet but uh but you got to look for it Oh, but onto this this third episode a little bit more outside of uh, Vader. What do we got for this one? We got a new planet, Mapozo. Yeah, another new planet. That's nice. It does kind of feel like the structure. It does kind of feel like the structure of a, a Disney Star Wars movie. Where I feel like they bounce around to different planets, like maybe like every ten minutes in, in these new movies. I was actually surprised. Yeah, so the series is kind of emulating that that style. I was surprised how quickly it seemed to be moving along. Yeah, yeah I can appreciate I the the fast clip. The fast clip? Uh, of the pace, yeah. Oh, you yeah. mean of the pace, yeah. Yeah, and again, we get kind of a nice scene with, with Obi-Wan and Leia. I think that by this third episode, 
I'm liking that. I'm liking their dynamic a little bit more. Yeah. So. Well, in the second episode, they didn't quite, or Leia didn't quite trust Obi Wan. She thought maybe he was part of the kidnapping scheme, but now they're on the same page. They're working together now. So, I like that. Yeah. Uh, and so they're 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 going they're going to make their way by saying they're uh, through this back to where they I guess back to Alderaan by saying they're farmers from the planet Tall. Mm-hmm. That, uh, there's a line where he goes, "You're my daughter." And I'm your father. And she goes, more like grandfather. Yes. <laughs> He's like, what? What did you say? Yeah, I like that bit. This is this is kind of cruel to this poor kid. But the scene where she's trying to wave down the, uh, the passing vehicle. I don't no, know. There's Frank. something just about the something about the way that she did the the waving motions. What? That just kind of I don't know. I don't know what it is, but it just makes me. Kind of look at it with a, a curious eye. I think it looks a little funny, but I but I appreciate how they how they play that and her precociousness. It works a little bit better in that scene. I feel I like think. we're on Pee Wee Herman's Playhouse, where that's the word of the day. <laughs> that's the word of the day. Can we yeah. all scream every time someone says that. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, where's the little like yay sound effect I can put in there of all the little kids celebrating? <laughs> oh, but I and I also like um, this weirdo. Was it Fleck or Freck? Did you say? Yeah. Was it voiced by what's his name? Uh, it sounds like Zach Braff. Uh, Braff. Oh, it was Zach Braff. Is that who it was? Yeah. Because you know it's yeah. According to IMDb, you know in Pixar, like it's like the running gag that they use. Um, what's his name? Is his name Cliff? Uh, the I was gonna say the postman, the mailman in uh, Cheers. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Cliff Clavin. Oh, it's a character. And they use him like in every Pixar movie. He has like a little uh, cameo with his voice. And I thought it was him right off the bat. It's, I could see that. Yeah, that would have mm. been a good fit too. He's dead though, isn't he? Oh God, is he? Yes. Well, they could use that same technology. Um... Oh no! Don't do it, dead <laughs> actors. That'd be really fucked up. Maybe they did. I wonder if they're doing it like for Pixar. Like you know, still. In, I don't know if they're still inserting him in movies like they used to. I'm gonna Google that. Yeah, I'm curious if he's dead. Yeah, again, where's Sean? He would know. He's, he's got a like a catalog in his his head of all the dead people. John Rassenberger. Okay, let's see. He's still alive, my brother. He's still Yay. kicking. <laughs> he would come up with just the randomest nonsensical trivia. That that's so great. <laughs> well, yeah, you know there, Norm. George Washington didn't really have wooden teeth. He actually <laughs> he's off on this random <laughs> shit. Oh, but yeah, they should have got him for this guy. That, that would have been more funny. <laughs> I yeah. thought it was Zach Braff. Or I think I read that and forgot it, but that yeah, doesn't sound like Zach Braff. No, it doesn't. Yeah, and this guy, I love this guy. He's like fully bought into the Empire. Oh, nothing wrong with a little order, right? Like, like oh, now that's, yeah, not my, not my kind of guy. A little rule follower. Loves the, uh, so, one of the scenes is when they pick up the stormtroopers, and you know, so Obi Wan and Leia have got the story that their father and daughter, they're visiting relatives or something. Uh, they're visiting the planet where he met his wife. I can't remember what the the pseudonyms were, but um, I think Leia was Luma, and Obi Wan gets yeah. a little tired of her talking to the stormtroopers, and he calls her Leia. And the stormtroopers pick up on it and like, wait a minute, didn't you just say her name was Luma? And so I like the little kind of how they kind of figure a way out of that 
conversation. Uh, that, was, that was a neat little scene. So he hasn't been in every single Pixar movie, but he has been in the vast majority, and he's still in recent ones. He just hasn't been in literally every single one, but I'd say ninety percent or more. Oh, but back to Steve's point. I also like. <laughs> Sorry. <that. laughs> I like that they work that into the development of their their kind of dynamic where he looks at her and he's like, oh, you know, every time I look into her eyes, he's talking about like, oh, I got confused by the name because that was her mother's name. So every time I look in your eyes, I see your mother. And I like how they work into the work that into her kind of asking like, oh, like, are you my real father? Like, I feel like you, you know me in some way. I thought that that worked. Yeah, I liked it. I like that scene. I liked it. I haters of the show. They did not like it, but I'm not a full-on hater of this show, so I, I was okay with it. What was the reason? Well, it, it all starts with going back to how it's the Leia show, and this is too much Leia, and we wanted a Kenobi show, and and we're not going to fall for these little crumbs that you drop us, uh, like to smooth over like our other beefs. So they they take it as like low-hanging fruit, like um, like. He's like like simple fan service, but but the haters of the show are like, no, I'm not accepting. This is like you're not gonna like give me that and like smooth over the rest of it for me. So they're like in that kind of frame of mind. Well, and then you think back to Jedi when Leia is talking to Luke. You know when Luke says you're my sister, and she says I. She talks about remembering her mother. Yes. And uh, and she says she can only remember. Uh, she remembers. What did she say? I'm trying to remember. Remembers her eyes, I think she says. Yeah, and people have all... Yes. Yeah, like she has more uh, feelings well, or was an impression of sadness or something like that. See, and that one's difficult, uh, though, too, because... Uh, I mean, to reinterpret now after the fact. Because on the one hand, uh, there's the people who are like, you know, oh, that's just like... A, it's a, it's another... Um, it's like the kiss. Like, it's retroactively um, problematic because... Yes. She never met Padme. But then there's other people who go, oh, but maybe she's talking about her adoptive mother on Alderaan, who, of course, we get to see for the first time in this series. So there's people who come from that camp. Yeah. But I think I know where Steve is going. And I agree that that some people look at this as a bit of a way to remedy the canon to have this conversation. Well, because Obi-Wan, this is when Obi-Wan talks about his brother. He says, you know, I, I can remember my mother. I can remember a scarf. I, that's not what he said. He didn't say scarf, but something like that. Yeah. Uh, he remembered his father's hands, and he remembered that there was a baby. That it was his bro- he, thinks it, he said, I think it was my brother. And that's the only reference there is uh, to that. I don't know. So I thought it was kind of maybe leading to that, maybe to explain that scene a little bit. I don't oh, know. my God. Yeah. I like in that moment that he was like, like, oh, I don't remember him, but I, I wish I did. Like, again, kind of him maybe feeling maybe some distaste at the Jedi way of, of taking these kids. Mm. I, at least that's what I got from that little line. I personally thought I would hate to be raised in this universe. <laughs> Quite honest. Yes. I mean... Yeah, everyone's got shit luck when they're raised in this universe. Everybody's fucked up. Because in... In the crappy sequel trilogy, I mean, we find out from Finn that he was taken from his family to become a stormtrooper. Yep. Right, and now it's like a parallel they like to play up that the both sides of the coin did the same thing. The Jedi did it traditionally, and 
and the Empire did it. Um, yeah, not in the original trilogy. I never got any sense they were kidnapping kids in that that part. But well, yeah, it was obviously none of, none of that was established at that point. Yeah, then yeah. And that's, again, the Star Wars that I like, I, I kind of I kind of view a lot of the rest of this stuff kind of like a new view new Doctor Who, mm. where it's kind of like it's a sequel to itself, but it doesn't in my opinion, doesn't retroactively affect the original trilogy when I watch them. I don't think of that stuff as being in canon when I'm watching the original trilogy. But I do. <laughs> it's all the same universe. Uh, but I can usually work it out. Um, or, uh, like, it doesn't disturb me. Like, it doesn't take me out of it. Yeah, I just wouldn't want to because I think that the vision that the original trilogy paints is so much more expansive and interesting than what the rest mm-hmm. of this is for me. <laughs> I guess so. So I don't want to attach it, but but I do like that we get to see that little droid uh, thing when because yeah eventually they oh, Lola oh no the uh, it's like an interrogator droid because eventually this kind of uh, ride takes into some sort of little stop like some sort of uh, oh yeah is it a gate or is it with a checkpoint like a toll <laughs> yeah checkpoint thank you the checkpoint's very funny mm-hmm. unintentionally yes. I agree. Are you talking about when the probe when the probe droid is checking them out? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I always like that design. I'm I'm always happy to see it come back. I always thought that was a really winning, creepy kind of robot look. Kind of the Swiss Army knife of the Star Wars droids, <laughs> I think, with all yes. those little arms. Yeah, they got a lot of uses for them. Absolutely. <laughs> I can't open this can of beans. You just hand it to that. Where's that fucking droid? Get him in here. <laughs> Oh, but, um, yeah, no, I, I do think, yeah, they, they really just should have hired better people through the second unit action stuff in this show. <laughs> what do you mean? Because this, this action scene when uh, Obi-Wan, uh-huh. oh, boy, yeah, I don't, I don't know about it. <laughs> well, it was, really? I like when the, the trooper gets shot and he gets split in two. I thought that was fun. That was very cool and unexpected, especially for Disney. No, but did y'all see yeah. the meme for this? scene um i don't know the guy's name who's all over tiktok and other places there's this guy who is like of african descent but i think he's french in real life or i mean he like lives in france now and everything but um the memes of the guy you may not know his name i don't know his name but you may have seen him out there where he like was he shows something and then he shows like the easy solution for it no i don't watch tiktoks you don't have to see the tiktoks though because it (laughs) shows up I mean, stuff gets reposted on Instagram, Facebook, everything else, or just Twitter. I see it. Every it gets reposted everywhere. I mean, his many memes, and he did one, or you know, he didn't do it. Someone made it uh, themselves using him, his likeness, um, because they first they show the scene where Obi Wan and Leia are trying to escape, and they have that barrier. So then, and then Obi Wan tries to work the buttons, and it doesn't open. So then he just shoots it with the blaster. And then it goes down. But then the meme, right. <laughs> the black guy I'm talking about, he's like standing at the edge. And he's like showing, he's like pointing how you can just step around it. Like it's just right yes. there. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, so that was that was made into a meme. It was very <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Uh, and it's also funny, the whole thing, because the landscape of this planet is very wide open and, and low rolling hills. And it looks so funny, like, as yeah. they're just appro- when you've already seen the episode and you see them approaching... Like, it reminds me of old video games, like N64 and back in the day, like when you were playing Link or something, and 
it's because of the constraints of the old school systems that you couldn't just you know walk anywhere but it seemed weird that you had to go through choke points like to get to other areas that don't seem natural and this is like a video game checkpoint i mean not checkpoint um um what do you call it uh choke point it's a it's like an unnatural choke point that for some reason this is the only way we can get beyond this area because it, it's a it's it's barely 15 feet 50 20 at the yes. most wide right. and this is like a wide open area where there's no fences there's no walls oh oh it, i had a children's book uh it's a little bit popular i, I don't know if steve it's, would have seen it if i showed him a picture but i had this children's book from the early 80s mm-hmm. and it was about lewis Pasteur, and it, it has these like these nice little illustrations telling the story and there's this funny illustration in the book where this kid is like antagonizing a dog through a fence but the way they illustrated it the fence is only six feet wide and and he's just like poking a stick at the dog and it even as a little five-year-old it bumped me because i was like the dog could just go around the fence it's only six feet wide like what the hell uh but anyway (laughs) no yeah that is comical and i also think uh freck when uh, obi-wan's using him as like a human shield something about the the costume it, it just looks funny with obi-wan like holding him against him or something <laughs> and i like freck this little asshole brings him there he's all nice to him and then he's like yeah it's a great little shit it's like oh hey i think you should investigate this guy i think he's against the empire like man this guy's fully bought in is he getting like greased or does he really just like the uh, the order the dictatorship and then of course we get the foil to freck um which is this female imperial officer but if you recognize the actress and i don't know her name off the top of my head but if you recognize her you know she can't live oh tala why because you know she was in torchwood episode one um and then she gets like killed at the end of the first episode she was like part of the team huh and then she's in game of thrones and um you know she obviously gets dispatched she gets blown up i think is what happened to her in game of thrones so once i whenever i see her coming i know she's not gonna live she's just one of those huh. actors they, they can't survive she's the new shock t <laughs> but yeah I, I could this is a character that i could see that those anti-woke people crawling out oh of course you know the the female uh empire representative really? of course has to be the good one you know working for the good side i, I could see those people having a complaint with her um hmm. oh i see that too i mean with them did it bother me personally no doesn't bother me personally um me neither however it is true though like it does seem a little bit well it's hard to say because it, because yeah in the original trilogy there was definitely a lack of female presence in the empire but you could say we were just seeing a small slice um and like for instance wow. and like and also we were probably seeing like the more ceremonial guys i mean the ones who were close to the emperor and darth vader because in our real world like if you went to washington dc and they have like a permanent um a, a permanent like cadre of like army guys to do all the ceremonial stuff like in washington dc like at the national cemetery etc 
and you don't see females in those groups either, even though there are tons of females in the U.S. military. So, I mean, this is me justifying it in the Star Wars universe, is what I'm saying. Right. As to how... Yeah, and it makes it, it makes it slightly worse that we know that the intent was that they were meant to be very white and very male in the original ones, because it was kind of George Lucas, like, representing, like, the old, uh, you know, the Germans versus the Americans. I think most of them are, like, supposed to be Brits, too, at least the upper people. So, like, it was an intentional choice in his part that we all very well, well know about, because he's talked about it a lot. And a happy convenience, since, since they are mostly filmed in England, um, that there was tons of those guys everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I always, always liked that the, the bad guys were white British men. I always thought that was perfect. Uh, though I think the way they explain it now, I think the way they, in retro canon, they explain it now is that um, the British accent in Star Wars is supposed to represent people who came from more of the core worlds um, versus those from the Outer Rim. Mm-hmm. I think that's how they explain it now. So, uh, where were we? Uh, so, yeah, they get saved by Tala, um, and then she's, she's the contact, I guess they missed at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, right. and she's gonna take them to a safe house, or what they call the path, underground railroad, to get them out, get them off planet. Yeah, underground railroad. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of neat because they had some, I guess, writings and stuff that Obi Wan recognized. Well, that was cool until it wasn't cool. <laughs> Why is that? Yeah, I'm curious. Because I thought it was cool at first too, like what you just said. Like, oh, it's neat that they have these writings, but then of course that became a clue, and then it, and then it went even further. I'm going into the future because I think a piece of that would get saved if I remember correctly um, at some point later in the series. And so then what I thought was a cool little thing became like almost like a MacGuffin. Oh, oh, like there's a piece of setup here for, I guess, potentially Riva's uh, future maybe. Is that what you're hinting at? Some, yeah, something like Or something. Yeah, I think that's what I'm doing. I guess she does say, I did like bring people through, even children. She does like separate that line, so I guess that was a piece of yeah. Okay. Well, I wonder if she she knew that was there. I didn't even think of that before. Is that what you're implying? Like she's been through that safe house before? Oh, when she was a young. Lady? No, no, no. I don't think so. No, 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 no. I don't. No, no. I don't think she's been oh. there before. No, no. I'm not saying. Oh, that. okay. No. Oh, just like these kind of networks to to help. It's something. Maybe this uh, is spoilers. I don't this know. Is, maybe this is like a another peculiar me thing, Eric thing. Um, but when you watch certain kind of movies, it's usually espionage type movies or someone's chasing somebody. Uh, someone's on the, the bad guys are trying to find the good guys, like in a James Bond type of movie or born identity or something like that. Um, maybe like the new black widow movie, uh, or the recent one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like a chase with someone going after someone and because of the way these stories are written, there always has to be a breadcrumb that because otherwise the movie wouldn't work. Like for the bad guys to constantly be on on the trail of the good guys, and so writers have to always come up with creative ways that seem to make sense. And it's a trigger for me when it's like like super obvious, um, like the clue that that leads the bad guys on their on their pursuit and mm-hmm. i guess i just didn't like how it was just so because even though it's so well hidden oh, see and people didn't like this either i mean people who are on the 
hate Riva bandwagon because again they they feel she's a a Mary I don't even like using these phrases but like a Mary Sue like character like like um like Ray like she just has all the abilities in the world um without any real explanation other than she was formerly a youngling but she just has the most amazing intuition slash luck etc that is a little bit annoying I, I, for me a little bit annoying but for the haters it's the worst thing ever hmm interesting I don't, I don't know if it is or not but it is what it is so for me this episode really kind of kicks it into gear when Vader arrives very unexpected again yeah I was not you know Eric you said earlier you weren't expecting Vader to meet Obi-Wan so early and it, I wasn't expecting what was about to take place in episode 3 um, I thought they would save Vader for at the very end yes for that confrontation and uh, and Vader is an evil motherfucker I mean he's walking down the, it's like an old west what <clears throat> we were talking about in episode 1 He's walking down the center, um, center main road, and he's killing people as he's walking by. I mean, he's he sees like a, a family. He pulls the father out, force chokes him. The kid comes running out. He snaps his neck, kills them both. You see the mother run out crying. Um, pulls another woman out, starts dragging her, and I think kills her in the process. I mean that mm. that's evil. That I mean because I I never liked the idea that with the prequels myself that vader was a good guy at one point and you know i thought it kind of diminished the evilness of the character but that this scene in particular it really shows that he is just he's a dark motherfucker i mean he is just doing evil shit just to pull obi-wan out no i mean completely reckless of other people yeah and that's what i like about it um (laughs) when we eventually get to rogue one uh, I've already discussed this in our previous commentary on it. I always thought it was weird in that movie that they take a moment to kind of show the brutality of Vader, like slicing up those people. And then immediately in the next scene, he's using his stormtroopers to do it all. I kind of feel like, oh, is it is it one or the other? Is he out there doing the action or is he kind of just supervising? But in this case, it's so personal with, I mean, I'm assuming that he's sensing Obi-Wan there. Yeah. So he's kind of yeah brutalizing these people to drag him out. So in this case, it makes a lot more sense that we'd see the more brutal side of Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's getting closer to, I guess, something he's been searching for this whole time. Yeah, and rightfully so. Wanted to fucking kill that guy after leaving him there. Uh, what do you, you think, Eric? Um, I mean, that's like the coolest part ever in Rogue One. But uh, oh yeah, he is brutal Oof. in this. Oof. But um, and Reef was remember she was brutal in Episode One as well. Uh, yeah. Which we'll come to again in the future in this in these podcast conversations, but well, I agree with the part where it was always hard to wrap your head around it. How the switch in 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 Anakin in in Revenge of the Sith, mm. mm-hmm. like how like I get it, I get it. You lose everyone that you loved and. It's like, it. I don't know if this is a good comparison to even bring up. Probably horrible, but here it goes. Oh, like no. if I like if I was a Trump supporter, 
and then he get he gets elected to office, and then he starts making a bunch of decisions I don't agree with politically, but I voted for the guy. So, but now I feel betrayed. But that doesn't mean I'm going to be like full Biden or whoever the opponent is on the next election. It doesn't mean I'm going to become like full Democrat because I was a Trump supporter and then and then I wasn't pleased. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, and again, it's such a swing going from one extreme to the other. Yes, I yeah. think the better comparison is the uh, the people who voted for Obama twice and voted for Trump afterwards. There was a lot of those that came out. Oh, they did. They did. Really? And they're like, oh, I believe in Obama. They did, but I, I would imagine that those people who did that politically hover around the middle anyway, so you're dancing around the middle. But back to what Steve said, it's it's not like that, though, because it's 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 going from one extreme to the other, which is a, is a lot. It's not that he's said, oh, I was with the Jedi, now with the Empire, but at least I still have my morals. No, he went like, from one extreme to like the opposite extreme and that's like well the crazy part the reason i point to obama is because i don't think a biden i don't think biden's extreme in anything i think he's uh <laughs> well I think he's the choices pretty... that people are making for him i don't think he's an extreme person personally but he's not the one pulling the strings i don't think on the decisions right now but anyway that's a whole other podcast mm-hmm. yeah that's a whole other yeah we're steve to uh yeah he's right there <laughs> Usually you're so good at steering uh, Sean away from the political. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes, Uh, but no, yeah, we'll we'll definitely discuss. And I mean, that's that gets to the absolute core of why why I don't like the prequels is Revenge of the Sith and the light switch change in Vader. I find that so difficult to believe, but but I appreciate seeing the brutal side of him in this at least. Oh yeah, I love it, and you know it's funny because. I'm going to bring up YouTube again. Sorry, guys. I watch it a lot. Sure. Um, and I forgot who the, the YouTuber was, but he covers like a lot of Star Wars stuff. And he was upset. Um, did, did a video a couple days ago. He was upset because he feels like Vader being included in uh, Fortnite is just going to be a detriment to the character. I mean, he's this badass, and now we're sticking, now Disney's sticking him in these stupid okay. games. That's weird. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and we're st- st- using him in uh, what was the last Star Wars game with uh, the redhead kid, um, Jedi Outcast? Like he was using that. Disney shouldn't use Vader so much; it just you know deteriorates kind of the the element of Vader. And I disagree completely. I I think what to me what deteriorated Vader as kind of a, a serious badass was. All the silly cartoons and like the Lego Star Wars stuff. <laughs> oh. I mean, I know you, you can be a fan of that, but Vader is a joke in those in the cartoons. Like, um... <laughs> did you guys watch the uh, the Christmas special, the Lego Christmas special? No. With the time traveling. I haven't seen it. Oh yeah, Palpatine and Vader are complete yeah caricatures in that, and they've got like a funny weird dynamic. Yeah, they they turn them into just a joke. I... <laughs> To me, that that ruins those characters, but stuff like that. But when we have scenes like this, I don't think Disney using Vader in this fashion to make him more of a badass. I think that builds upon what no, I, Vader I was a badass during the seventies and eighties. I'm sorry, Eric. No, I agree with that. I I think he's used well in that kind of way as you're saying in this series or in this episode. And but I think the Fortnite argument is silly. Uh, yeah, I agree. Oh, I don't know what, yeah. I don't, I don't to, that's like saying I'm outraged because 
of how they used Darth Vader in the Indian in the Cupboard film. Do you all remember that? Yes, I forgot about that. No, I don't remember that. I have seen yes. that, but I don't remember it. Famously, that movie was directed by Frank Oz, and um, and they do. It's not in the book. Oh God, I used to love those books. Like when they made us read them in elementary school, I just thought those books were so good. Um, and and when you read those books as a kid, like your dream, like they don't ever show it, or it's not in the books. Uh, because you know whatever toy or plastic figurine you place into the the cupboard, uh, the cupboard magically mm-hmm. makes it real, and 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 the toy takes on the characteristics of whatever fictional universe it was pulled from. So I think it was towards the end of, end of the movie that, as a bit of fan service, or maybe it wasn't the end of the movie, but there's a part where, like he just puts a whole bunch of toys in the cupboard just to see how it works. Uh, and then there's Darth Vader. He actually puts a Darth Vader figure into it and it like comes to life and it has like a little lightsaber, but he's only like, you know, five and a half inches tall. Um, oh, so wow. I really feel like that really diminished the Darth Vader character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were done with it after that. Fuck Star Wars. <laughs> What's George Lucas doing with this property? <laughs> uh, that was Frank Oz, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. Maybe I got to go back to see that again. Oh man! <laughs> oh yeah, you do that. Ah, <laughs> uh, can it? It's on screen. So yeah, Vader, Vader, and Ben finally uh, face off, and there's a there's a line where Obi Wan is just shocked to see what has happened to Anakin. He's now in this yeah. mechanical suit, and he asks Vader, he goes, "What have you become?" And again, a great line mm-hmm. from Vader. Uh, is that I am what you made me. And I, man, that gave me chills. I, I love that. Me too. Throughout this series, as established in this series up to this point, so did Obi-Wan always know that Anakin was the one, was Darth Vader? No, it seems like he was convinced that he just left him to die and he died there. So then, so in yeah, cause everybody thought everybody thought Anakin was dead. Okay, so in canon, Obi Wan just thinks Darth Vader is just some evil Sith badass, but not Anakin. Well, he may not know because he spent he spent the last ten years as a hermit. Yeah. I just wasn't sure. So maybe I, he's not aware. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. Well, again, I don't know anything about what the canon is. I don't read the comics or anything like that. So all I watch is the movie. No, not so, no, 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 no. And when I say canon. Uh, comics don't count. It's only whatever's on screen. But we do count the animated series oh. as on screen. Oh, I thought they do count now. Oh, okay. That's what yeah. they said originally, at least. Oh, no, no. Oh, they're supposed to count since Disney took over. But they already dropped the ball so many times with that already that it's it's become irrelevant. It's a moot point now. Yeah. So I only can only go with what's on screen. Um, well, we haven't really seen a lot of this time period, so... There would have been no mention of it anywhere. I didn't know, but I, at least I wasn't sure if there was a mention in the first three episodes or something uh, that 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 showed it one way or the uh, other. I don't think so. No. I, I think in, in, in the books, again, before Disney purchased, it was just that Obi-Wan had heard about Vader and then, I guess, heard about his abilities and assumed it was Anakin. I don't think it was... I don't know, but at some time, at some point, he figures it out, doesn't he? He has yeah. to, otherwise, we wouldn't have all the talk about the lie um, that comes later. With your... Yeah, no. At least in the original trilogy, 
you get the sense that he knew about Anakin's turn. Like in the original trilogy, it wasn't Obi Wan who. Yes, in the original trilogy, he he definitely knew. Yeah, it wasn't Obi Wan who left him to die in a mountainside or anything like that. It was just he naturally was drawn and turned to the dark side. Actually, no, I've it got wasn't an answer. Stupid light switch change. I've got an answer for you. So in Revenge of the Sith, when Yoda and Obi Wan go to the temple to erase the um, mm. the files, so the Jedi, the rest of the Jedi couldn't be tracked. They see a, a video where That's right. Palpatine it tells Vader, you, you did a good job or whatever it was. Uh, but I think he calls him Vader. And so I think mm. he knows the name at that point. And I'm looking forward to discussing this relatively soon. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you guys think of the lightsaber battles? Because I mean, there's a couple of scenes here. Yeah, I did want to say I, I appreciate that it feels like they're calling back it felt a little bit like um, the fight at Empire, where they're really focusing on the, the contrast, the colors of the lightsabers, and they're focused mm-hmm. so much more on the emotion of the fight rather than the prequels, which focused a lot on the kind of technique and kind of dance of it all. I appreciate that this one felt more raw. I am totally fine with the rawness aspect, but I did not like how extremely diminished... Um, Obi-Wan. Uh, Obi-Wan was. And part of it was, I get he was out of the touch with the Force and everything. He had, he had not been practicing or anything. Right. But how much of it was... Well, Vader had been. But how much of it was supposed to be a combination of that and was Obi-Wan also holding back a bit on top of being rusty? I'm not sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and think, because he's, he's emotionally stunned that he's now confronting this person that he thought was dead. And he's stunned about what he's turned into. And Vader, on the other hand, is just enraged and wanting to fucking wipe this guy out. So I think it makes a lot of sense they'd be on very different playing fields for the fight. Vader's probably been thinking about this for ten years, waiting for this moment. Probably training for it. Well, and Vader's been hunting Jedi this whole time. So he's yeah. really up to... You know, he's, he's fought some of the really major players. So he's in good shape. I mean, he's probably at his top game at this point where Obi-Wan yeah. who hasn't picked up a lightsaber in 10 years he, he had you know he buried it so yeah I, I thought it made a lot of sense and I, I think it plays well and I love that that he uh, lights the fire then Obi-Wan falls in Anakin's probably getting all pumped inside like yeah motherfucker take it remember when I was sitting in the fire <laughs> you little bastard yeah so. he wanted well and he, his, his goal and it turns out his goal is not to kill Obi-Wan he wants Obi-Wan mm-hmm. to wants to torture Obi-Wan make him feel pain before he you know spatches him okay yeah which i appreciate that too so i did some quick research again and see yeah this was (laughs) this was a fan debate argument whatever about obi-wan being aware of anakin bader because Mm -hmm. at the end of the second episode i guess is when it's revealed to obi-wan and he seems to be surprised that um that's when he discovers that Anakin and, and Darth are in uh, one in the same. But as Steve pointed out, and this is what other fans pointed out, was that because of that scene at the end of Sith, he should have known the whole time. And so that was the thing that people were fighting about as the series was progressing, was that everyone was saying that they forgot about that scene in Sith. Um, and so it doesn't make any sense 
that Obi-Wan is surprised at the end of, se- of episode two. Well, maybe maybe he didn't know Vader survived because he went into hiding immediately after that. Okay, and that is like one of the only explanations anybody has is that, yes, perhaps he did not know. But that just seems crazy, too. I mean, because he, he knew about Inquisitors, right? I mean, going around... But that's the only explanation that anybody has is that maybe he didn't know that Vader, 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 survived or whatever. Oh, I don't know. It's confusing. Well, for me, I feel like I feel like why quibble? If you're gonna accept this stuff as, as Star Wars, I mean, none of it really makes sense if you factor in the original trilogy. It was also messily done in the prequels in general, so I, I don't really care if Disney messed it up too. It's already a big clusterfuck in my opinion. <laughs> and, and I told you all weeks ago at time of recording uh, that famously there was this article in Vanity Fair that came out to coincide with the release of this series and that one of the guys yeah. who was a writer, actual writer on the Obi-Wan series, that he talked about in the interview that when he was working <laughs> on the show, he wasn't sure. He said, wait a second. Like, is 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 Vader Anakin was like his first question. Oh no. <laughs> question number two he had was does Obi-Wan know? Um, but I told y'all that was like literally and I was like, don't print that, because you're just Yes. Don't say it. <laughs> just don't say it. And third, where where does Dr. Spock come into this? <laughs> and I know it's not Dr. Spock, by the way. I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I don't... Oh. But if I just take the duel as read in this episode, it is rough. I mean, the Obi-Wan being dragged through the flames and all that. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. It was rough. And I thought for sure the Obi-Wan was going to be taken prisoner and everything. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it looked bleak. And, and the scene that follows it when, when Obi-Wan's in the back to tank. And apparently back to tanks... As established in Boba Fett, all you can do is like relive your worst nightmares um, hmm. when you're in a back to tank. Yeah. It just brings back all your life failures <laughs> uh, into your dreams. And that's that's what Anakin was doing over and over again, sitting in there, oh boy, thinking yeah. about <laughs> Obi Wan screaming at him and like, "Why didn't you just kill me, man?" <laughs> I, I can't get over that. That's that was when I feel like they ruined the Obi Wan character in the prequels. Why to keep him it's alive? Like really, your your best friend, you just leave him there to die, suffering. Yeah, that's like a hard did one. Huge fight. Like it. Well, I guess I should save this, but that that just infuriates me. I <laughs> I you know I hate it too, but I always it always brings me back to Tolkien. Um, and it, it always brings me back to how Tolkien intentionally made it so that um, Frodo didn't kill. Uh, and 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 Bilbo before him didn't kill uh, Gollum when they had the chance, um, and and supposedly Tolkien that was one of the things he wanted to stress um, about like the importance of like forgiveness. Uh, oh, that's that does not have. Co- I mean, he based he cut off all, all his limbs except for one arm, and just left him in the flame. No, no, no. no <laughs> but I know, 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 I know. But in the way it functions in Lord of the Rings, um, by not killing because 
I don't know how much I can't remember. It's been ages since I've read it. But in the movie version, um, because Sam is just like, oh, just kill him, just kill him. He's like, no, Sam, you don't understand. Like, sometimes, you know, the lowest person can still have an important part to play, Mm -hmm. and that's supposed to be like some kind of foreshadowing, because ultimately, it's not Frodo who destroys the ring, right? Uh, Um. It's actually Gollum who actually destroys the ring ultimately and brings balance back. And see, it I still think about the stupid prophecy in um, Phantom Menace and um, and you know, maybe it's this boy who's the one in the prophecy who'll bring balance to the force. And then when everyone sees the original trilogy, they go, No, 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 it's not it's not Anakin. It's um it's Luke. Luke is the one who brings balance back to the force. But ultimately, it's still Anakin in the original trilogy. Uh, well, well, hold on, hold on. You know, Kathleen Kennedy would disagree with you because, according to her, it's Leia was oh, the God. Uh, one that brought balance, according to her. And I love the the original trilogy where there is no <laughs> prophecy bullshit, but that everyone can quibble about. Uh, prophecy it really... makes the prophecy tr- it makes the prophecy true it makes Qui-Gon correct that Anakin oh. is the one why are you groaning <laughs> and prophecy talk in Star Wars I mean how embarrassing it yeah. makes oh. Obi-Wan correct I'm Obi-Wan. Uh, Qui-Gon correct that Anakin ultimately it's not Luke it's ultimately Anakin who restores balance to the force oh. Because he's the one who ultimately... He was the chosen one. He's the one who ultimately <laughs> kills the Emperor. It's not Luke. Um, and so I always think of that. I think of Frodo. I think of Tolkien. And I think of that. Because... Because if, had he even been killed... No, no, no. Had he been killed... Oh, Alright, guys. <laughs> in, in Obi-Wan's own eyes, he effectively killed Anakin. I mean, he even thinks he killed him in this. Oh, so, no, I mean, well, Anakin, Anakin is dead at this point. Yeah. Vader has taken over. Well, A new persona has taken over. Well, we'll have more to discuss again in future yes. episodes of this podcast. You'd think if Obi-Wan was a good man, even his enemy, he wouldn't leave to suffer in that way. As an honorable man, he would put him out of his misery. But his best friend is the one that he leaves to now, just burn. To play devil's <laughs> advocate... Yeah, I, Obi-Wan assumed that Anakin would die being left there. Um, but, but, but. <laughs> but let's, let's talk about the ending. Yes, the there you go. Finger. Thank you. <laughs> so, Tala is supposed to get usher Leia to safety through this path, uh, the path to underground. And, of course, she leaves uh, to save Obi-Wan. And she does. She saves Obi-Wan from Vader. Um, gets him out of that situation, but uh, Reva finds Leia. Oh God! At the end, and so now, she, I won't. So she, oh. now she's. I guess Eric's. Eric's not happy. With this. <laughs> oh no! So that's that's where we're left. Reva has Leia. Obi Wan is severely wounded from his battle with Vader, and that's where Episode Four, which we have, not, we're not going to review tonight. Uh, what? Oh, we're not. Oh, I thought we were gonna keep going to episode six. Jeez, no, I'm just kidding. I haven't watched them. I think it's the first three. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that was <laughs> shit. I haven't watched them. <laughs> but oh god, we I have to react to that last bit because <laughs> I already told it. 
honestly, in my opinion, it's bullshit that Reva figured the whole thing out. I'm talking about how the, everything was hidden and, you know, the, the fake wall. And then, of course, she goes in there. And then, of course, she finds, like, the writing on the wall. And then... That's what I'm saying. Maybe she remembers it in her youth. Maybe she's like, I have vague memories about this place. That's an interesting fan theory. But I well, think that's a fan theory. Um, can I... Go ahead. Can I question this? I mean, again, let's talk about the prequels and how in the fights people would say, oh, they can all predict each other's move like a second before it happens. Right. Who's right. to say that she's not just reading the minds of the people around? Maybe. Who potentially know about this. And that's how come she's had everything. Who's around that knows about it? I don't think anyone's around who knows about it, except for the droid. At, I mean, at this particular moment in time. I don't think everyone in the town knows. Well, how far away is that... Uh... Oh my god! Isn't that chick just in that tunnel? Oh my gosh! I mean, how far does the force uh, extend? No, I mean really. I mean, again, I always thought it was bullshit that they would argue that about the fights. As I was like, okay, that's a well, fine excuse. Wait, does she do use? So like, how does it not apply to this character? I thought, wait, they can just read anybody's mind because I understand when they read other force users' minds, but yeah, no, I mean, it, I mean, they can influence other people's minds. Who aren't force users. Yes, but you're saying she's reading Reva's mind? I mean, I mean not Reva. Um, she, I forget her name. Uh, the the Imperial. The guy from the internals, Eternals, who's not a force user, she read his mind. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, that's I true. mean, she did. <laughs> well, I thought we were talking about... Uh, that's, yeah, that's bullshit, too. Um, anyway. Is it, though? I mean, again... Well, well, hold on. It is explained. But it's got... Why does it gotta be Reva? Why can't it be in... Or... Again, she's the mag- she's the magical uh, inquisitor, because you know why can't Vader figure that out? Why can't um, the other That's inquisitors figure it out? Yes. Um, Jet- well, no, Jedi powers aren't like everybody gets the same set. Like everybody has like certain nuances that they're really good at, and this actually is covered. If if you play the game Jedi Outcast, uh, Calcastus, which I could remember that earlier. Uh, he has the ability to go into a room and kind of feel what happened in that room prior. I mean, it's a game mechanic, obviously. It's a video game mm-hmm. mechanic. but um, So that maybe she's using something similar to that that, that ability. I don't like it. It stinks, but fine. Oh, wait. But oh, wait. You, you just said that you'd be fine with it if it was the Grand Inquisitor or Vader. That's what I felt with a lot of the anti. No, no, I didn't say it would be fine. I'm just saying, why is it gotta be? Reva? Why not? And, I mean, you could. Yes, okay. You, you can use the Steve argument, but she still seems too gifted. Um, even if that's her gift. But that was the whole. That was the whole point of the Force used in the prequels. I mean, that's that's what one of the reasons I never understood the, this weird backlash to her because I, I I don't feel like it's inconsistent with, what we've seen of these supposed Force users in this this universe now and i always i i mentioned to you too i was like i feel like if this was a a white male character i don't think these people would complain in the same way i really do think it does come down to the the race and the gender uh no i i will in my mind well because now you're saying i don't like her because of race but i know that not to be true um and i don't and i don't think i would accept her more if she was a white male i don't see how that would make her any better uh what you just said about vader and the but I know that you're against the woke stuff. It's not about the necessarily the. I'm not talking about the woke stuff. Uh, who's the representative of the woke stuff? But I know that you're a hypersensitive. I'm saying I wouldn't like her no matter what her, whatever her gender or ethnicity is. I would not like this character. 
Uh, I don't. I don't think that would improve anything about her or the character. I still think I'd feel the same. But why do you feel like it's so inconsistent? When I, I in, in my opinion, it is with the the Force users. I don't understand how she's so such a Mary Sue type. Because even though different Force users can have different proclivities, I, I can accept that. Um, she's still too good, uh, especially. Um, when like, who who is her mentor now? Like post Order sixty six, did like Vader teach her? I don't think so. Did another Inquisitor? I don't think so. So she's just like Ray again, like self taught, like and amazing. Oh, I don't I don't think they're saying that. Well, Ray was so overpowered. Yeah, but that's Ray, what I'm saying. Ray was like, like in a week she learned. I think Reva's overpowered in in her own way. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. But, Reva was started as out as a youngling. She had been going through yeah. training, and who I don't know where she. I'm sure one of the Inquisitors picked up her training. I mean, yeah, they all refer to each other as siblings. I'm assuming that's because they're raised as kids in this program. And what she was the third sister. Yeah, I mean, why is Anakin so powerful? Oh, he was the chosen one. The Metaclorians. I mean, I I don't accept that either. Those Metaclorians oh, first. <laughs> Medical. He space Jesus. Come on. Exactly. I mean, no, but it was it started with the Metaclorians, but um, but it was because you know he was taken under the wing of uh, well Qui Gon briefly, and then of course Obi Wan himself. Yeah, maybe that's just me and my my bias against the prequels. I feel like I can accept anything because I don't accept any of it. If that makes sense. <laughs> like I just throw my hands up in the air. Like if they told me. Oh, Reva, she has a higher Metachlorian count than any Inquisitor we've ever seen. I'll be like, okay, I'll take it. Whatever. They can do whatever they want with these these things, because I think a lot of it's gone into silly land now. Um, but anyway, that's, I'm not done with complaining, though, because, okay, fine. She, she figures it out. Um, but then, like, well, I guess because Leia only runs at 0.2 miles per hour. That even though Leia's been running for forty-five minutes, very very specific. Reva can already see yeah, her. We've seen this. So Leia's been running for forty-five minutes. I guess Reva can still see her back, like as she looks to the tunnel. She's like, oh, she's only right there. Um, she's got her little toddler. Le- got a little toddler legs. That just, you know, like Leia's like on one of those walkways of the airport, except it's going the opposite direction that she's running, and so Leia's just like right there. Um, yeah, they should have uh, found an excuse for her to run through someone's legs again for an episode in a row. <laughs> but when Leia gets caught again, oh my god, fuck. Because I was glad that they pretty much dispatched that in the second episode. But then to have her recaptured, oh no. Because that means we're going to have to do another rescue episode next week. I was like, ah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Who knew this was uh, Dr. Six-Parter? Every other episode is the companion. So. Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. I, that's another thing. And uh, you know, no, I felt that. I felt that, like the Doctor Who six-parter syndrome, where to pad time we have to keep getting captured and recaptured. And uh, and I don't know if it's true, but there's. Um, there was some like leaked stuff that came out. Uh, I can't, it's been some weeks now, but they say that this series was based upon one of those movie iterations when it was going to be a movie. That this was based upon the movie oh. treatment for the Obi Wan story 
uh, a Star Wars story movie, and that, oh, that they mm-hmm. use that as a starting point, and then they f- filled in bits to you know expand the runtime mm-hmm. to cover six episodes. So supposedly, and I don't know what's what, you know, makes sense. But supposedly, yeah, we're seeing that movie with some padding, supposedly. Yeah, like I said, it kind of feels structured like the, the movies where like every few scenes they jump to a new planet. This one they save it for like every episode. And it does feel like there's a lot of padding around the, the edges to keep them there. Like that second episode in the city. Do we really need that chase with, with Leia again? And yeah, some of that stuff felt really extraneous. So, makes sense. I Well, I liked it. I thought the first three episodes were good. And I, I think the the final battle with vader while surprising i wasn't expecting it so soon and i was really kind of trepidatious mm-hmm. about it because of the whole line that when vader meets obi-wan and a new hope you know that that last we meet again you know last time we met i you know well, i forgot why exactly but <laughs> yeah. uh but i thought like how are they going to explain that because i always my impression was that that was the first time they met since mustafar in episode three so i was i was able to with that headcanon argument i was able to incorporate this battle and i'm like this okay this makes sense to me it, it doesn't break any canon uh, at this point uh, and i enjoyed it i i liked i liked seeing vader get the upper hand on obi-wan after all these years mm-hmm. um so I, I i enjoyed it i heard one youtuber's unique take on his own headcanon on how that works that line about um when we last met, met, I was the learner. I was but the learner, but now I am uh, the master, or whatever he says. Yeah, um, but a master of evil, Darth. So there's different... Yeah, right. <laughs> well, there's different ways to take it. Like, you know, you could say, for instance, Anakin was never granted Jedi Master, famously in the prequels, um, and he was pretty pissed right. about that. And so some people, you know, looked at it that way. They, you know, or if you go back to Mustafar, yeah, technically he was a learner, not a master. Um, but this one guy's take was uh, the way he retroactively fits it is that when they met in in the time of the Obi Wan series, he looks at Darth as being still a Sith learner at this point. And then when they meet up in A New Hope, he thinks of him as being like a Sith master now. And especially with the cherry on top, as you just said, like a, a master of death or whatever. And I, that, that's just one man's opinion, but I was like, hey, I like, I, I, can, I can dig that. Um, I can dig that. And I don't know, I, that one doesn't throw me so much as some of the other things, like the Leia inconsistency that we already spoke about. That one throws me more than... Like, it doesn't, it doesn't trouble me, or it doesn't, I can wrap my head around the meeting other times, like, between Mustafar and New Home. That's not an issue for me. But, I did, again, I said earlier, I thought this episode was going to end with Obi-Wan being caught, and knowing that there was only three episodes left, I was like, how in the hell are they going to do that? Like, how the hell are they going to fill three episodes if Obi-Wan's getting caught right now? But then, of course, it was effing Leia, and I was like, oh. Okay. Well, I'm I'm totally fine with the character, the actress who plays Leia. I 
Oh, no, I like her. I, I know you guys. Yeah. And I like these three episodes. I just didn't like where we were left at the end of the third episode. You, want to get ri- you wanted to get rid of her. You're like, let's close Yes. Her. I want to yes. kick her out. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I like her, but I didn't, again, I didn't want it to be the Leia show. Um, and that's what it felt like, and that's what it continue to feel, continues to feel like at the end of this episode. Yeah, these three episodes in, do you feel like, are you saying that you feel like she's the protagonist of the show? Um, almost. I still think Obi-Wan is the protagonist, ultimately. But there's just so much attention on Leia and Riva that even if it was, even if it was called the Leia show, um, Obi-Wan still could be the protagonist, even if it all centers around Leia. Um, you know, just like Anakin is the focus of Phantom Menace, but I don't know that he's the protagonist in the movie, even though the movie is all about him. Oh, is it? I I feel like he doesn't show up until like what the hour mark or so. Well, like I I don't feel like he's the focus. I feel like it's more Obi Wan and Qui Gon. I think he's the focus in the sense that's the only reason the damn movie exists. Well, that's part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, it feels pointless. Because there's no point. There's no point in having that first movie if Anakin's not in it. That's one of the weird issues. I do feel like it's all about Anakin, even though the thrust of the plot, Phantom Menace, is not about Anakin. And he's not the protagonist, but it really is all about him and his origins. Even if he's not the main player. Well, and also I don't feel like he has a character arc. Yeah, it's again one of the things that makes the movie so weird. Oh, it's all about him, but he's not the lead character and has no arc or really any point to be there. (laughs) Well, I think he has an arc, except instead of being like a curve, like a parabola or something, it's more of like a, like it has hard angles, his character arc which are weird um, rather than a progression well well i'll just say for me for these three episodes as someone coming in who was really only interested in seeing you and mcgregor back i didn't really have much interest in the plot and yeah seeing what it turned into i was like okay at least in my first viewing i was like really we're focusing so much on leia like uh, this feels weird but coming back to it i can see a lot more of the the obi-wan story and i think that bringing back the vader thing is is going to prove to be more valuable than i would have initially expected especially because i was kind of annoyed at vader's uh, previous appearance in rogue one so i was like ah really they're bringing him back but but it ended up working out for me so so i'm a little bit more curious after this viewing to continue the show than i was the uh, first time around so I, I was still liking it um overall i mean i always like the show from the first episode second third i like the show but I would always like to like it more. And I I would like to like something else from live-action Star Wars more than I like Mandalorian, say. And as much as I'm liking it, it's not to that level. It's not Mandalorian level. But that's just for me. Would you say it's the worst of the, uh, the live-action shows? Star Wars? Uh, oh yeah. yes, yes, I would say that. Yes, of what? I mean, what? There's only three we're considering, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, maybe I should ask that at the end. Right. So, so if it's out of those three, then yeah, I'm putting this at the bottom of the three right now. That's fair. 
Oh, but yeah, I guess that brings us around to the the end here. Yeah. Well, cheers, uh, cheers to you, Steve, for for bringing this one out. I would, I was definitely not planning to cover these, and you're welcome. And it wasn't intended to be a part of this this retrospective, but but I'm happy to uh, include it in here as a little bonus. And I'll also say I'm I'm curious to do uh, maybe after episode three as a second bonus. I wouldn't mind doing that little season finale of Clone Wars, that little bit that's focused on uh, on uh, Revenge of the Sith. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be awesome. I would like to do that with the other guys, too. Yeah, I don't know if we can convince Sean. I don't know if he's... Because I know he still doesn't have Disney Plus anymore. So. Yeah, I loved it that you, you were so determined to have him watch the, uh, the scene with um, Zero the Hut. Yeah. <laughs> I was, too. <laughs> no, just, oh, I didn't get that far. That, that was sad, by the way. I that forgot was about sad. that. No, but Sean's crazy. I would give him my login, you know, just to accomplish that. Or I, I'm, I, I don't know why. They, I don't know how sales work. I don't know why they don't release that thing on its own disc, um, or at least a season. But I just care about that. That the end, the finale. Um, because, you know, if there was a physical edition, I'd just buy it for him. Um, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll ask him and see if he's interested. I know Isaac said that, even though he doesn't care for that series or anything to do with it at all. I think he said that he'd be willing to watch it for, for this podcast. So, so there's that at least, hopefully. Yeah, he's even more anti, uh, anti a lot of this stuff than me. So, But anyway, yeah, that's I guess that's all I got for this one. Any, do you guys have any, any last things you'd like to say before I close it out? I said my peace. Thanks for having me again. And I'll say mine too. Peace.